This week on Fade to Obsidian, we will be discussing Dark Age chapters 15 through 30. We recommend that you have also read to this point in the book to avoid any spoilers. Please be aware that this episode contains discussions about violence and death, as well as strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Fade to Obsidian. Uh, I am Crescent, as always, and I am joined by Skipper. And Hello. today we are joined by Drillbit. Welcome, Drillbit! Yeah, your first entrance onto oh. Fade to Obsidian. First podcast I'm glad ever. to have you. First podcast. Aww. Ooh. We're honored. Pop my cherry. cherry. Yep. <laughs> Well, who are you? Why are you Drillbit? And what are you drinking tonight? Um, okay, who am I? I am my real name. Uh, my government name, as we like to joke about, is Thomas Pratt. Um, I live in Nebraska. I'm a dentist. Um, I, ha- I actually got into Red Rising through a, a buddy of mine that I met at a Star Wars convention. Um, and he's like, have you ever heard of this book? I'm like, no. And he kind of gave me the quick, and I fell in love with it. Um, real bit actually came from, uh, the, one of the red rising Facebook groups. I don't even remember which one, but it's like, Hey, introduce yourself, you know, a lot like what we do in the den. And, you know, only my synopsis was about that long and they're like real quick. And I'm like, I'm a dentist. I like whiskey. I'm loud. And uh, I am not the biggest person alive. Um, so one, of the, I don't even remember. Like I said, I don't even remember who it was. But she's like, "Drill bit, you're small, you're loud, and you're obnoxious." I'm like, "And you're a dentist." I'm like, "Okay, um, then I'm drill bit." Uh, nice. And I, I, I loved it so much. Like I read it, and I'm like, "That is perfect." Nope, nope, nope. We're sticking with that. I don't care. I don't. About the only person who could change is maybe Pierce. He might be able if he if he looked at me and said, "No, you are now blank." Um, I might change. I might willingly change it, but otherwise, nope. That's so so perfect. And I love it. So yeah, I'm small. I'm loud. I'm a dentist. Yeah. Uh, on my in my glass tonight is Driftless Glen. It is a rye whiskey out of Wisconsin. Uh, I picked this up through our local brewery, uh, Pals, which their thing is everyone comes in a stranger, everyone leaves a pal. Um, yeah. And I love that place. They're, the atmosphere is awesome. Um, the, the food is delicious. There's pizza and nachos. Uh, they're, they're, they're microbrews and their ales are, they are a kick in the ass. Um, I can drink two, and I'm done. Um, but I like their... Uh, 13%. The... Yeah. No, but there's something else in them, man. Like, everyone around here agrees that if you go into pals and you have, like, three or four, you're going to get paled. Um, there's a lot of people who black out after having three or four. Um, and normally, you know, they're, all right, whatever, you know, around here, drink a six-pack, no big deal. But they're like, dude, I get three in, and I get fuzzy. And so, uh, yeah, the Ubers and the Lyft people, they know pals very well. Um, but my favorite thing to drink out there. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing to drink there is an Ottinger old fashioned. Um, and the Ottingers were the family that one of them, 
that uh, established pals. Uh, they moved in from Wisconsin. They make sure that there's fresh cheese curds that are shipped in every day. Um, and they, they like their whiskey as much as they like uh, everything else. So they, they have a whole line from their Driftless Glen um, people they work with. And, and I, yeah, when I tried this out the last uh, holiday party, I'm like, I'm buying a bottle of that. And I think it's for a 750, it's like 46 bucks. So it's not, not expensive, mm-hmm. not for, not for good whiskey. Um, and it's, it's pretty tasty. I like it. Nice. So, Get for uh, what you're drinking. I just randomly, I had like a whole plan that I was going to do something coffee flavored because we get the several coffee versus tea discussion in this. Oh. And then I do have a bunch of stouts, but they're all chocolate stouts. And it, it it was a last minute decision to just grab the Ardbeg that's hanging out behind me. So I've got Ardbeg. Um, I do also, and we'll discuss after what Crescent's drinking, the cookies, because we'll have to bring them up. They are sitting here, but I am, I had to do that after the last episode of put one in the yard bag, doesn't go. So I will probably be eating them individually. I'm just eating an Oreo while drinking scotch. So there you go. Crescent, what do you have? We think alike. Nika coffee malt whiskey. Ah, there you go. I like it. Yeah. And I shipped this one to myself. Oh, there you go. Admission, I hate coffee. Oh. Not a boy. Yep, don't like coffee. First of all, how dare you? Yeah. I I know. Second of all, my my, convictions. Right. My grandmother had coffee always brewing in her house. I love the smell of it. I will will smell it all day. I will snort that stuff, but I will not drink it. I don't like the flavor. Interesting. You are the. What did you just do? <laughs> I, it, for some reason, this bottle's a twist off cap, and I dropped it. Oh. Um, Terrible. I, I am very much a coffee person. So, do you do you like tea? Like, are you the opposite of Sabro? I I can drink tea. I don't mind it, but no. I honestly, okay. I'm one of those weird morning people. I'm I'm out of bed and I'm ready to go. Yeah. Like. If I have to do something, like, I don't mind, V8 makes an energy drink, which is basically juice with caffeine in it, um, and before I go for my runs, I'll, I'll put one of those down, and if I really, really have to make sure I stay awake, um, I might put down a rain, um, one of their energy drinks, but even then, those are few and far between. I'm, mm. I, I will drink water, I will drink whiskey, I will drink um, Dr. Pepper, I love that stuff, um, but... Coffee, no, tea, mm. Mm, it's okay. Um, usually tea is what I'm drinking when I feel like crap. Yeah. And I'll spike it with honey and um, like, a, like an apple whiskey or something like that so that it oh, can no. kind of open up stuff. Um, but otherwise, I don't drink a lot of either. Nice. Yeah. I'm a big cat, just warm drink person. Like, I just coffee, tea. Sometimes at work, I'll just drink hot water. And then, like, employees will come in and be like, why are you just sipping hot water? And I'm like, because I've hit my caffeine max of the day, and I just want a warm <laughs> beverage, so I'll just drink like, hot that's water. That's a coward's answer. <laughs> like, what the fuck's a caffeine max? Got me, man. Um, I will say I like... Okay. Um, I like hot chocolate and I like to put Bailey's in it. Yes. Or 
or eggnog or um, uh, some additive. And, you know, it's so funny because we're doing all the din dink, din dunk stuff. And yes. Hydro and I got to talking the other day and she's like, well, what else have you tried? I'm like, oh, no, I've been dipping Oreos in Bailey's for a long time. And she's like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, that's where the bubbles come from is you put the Oreo in the Bailey's long enough to let the Bailey's soak in and then you're good to go. And I'm old enough to have tried this stuff. This is not new. It's just, yeah, I'm def- catching up with me. Uh, Oreos and Bailey's I've definitely done. I'm now sitting here thinking that maybe if we have a break somewhere in this, I'm going to go grab Kahlua. Uh, Cause I yeah. think I have Kahlua and That's do all. Oreos and Kahlua's. Uh, well, yeah. let's talk it's- the den dunk because you were the first one to do it. It was part of yes. your hazard bedlam, uh, <laughs> which ties into, for all we know, because you have triggered this, Pierce may rename you because that is what you get when you win hazard bedlam. Yeah. Oh God. No, I'm not winning hazard bedlam. Um, I'm happy to participate. Uh, oh my gosh. I didn't know. No, no. Uh, I but, think it'd uh, be absolutely hilarious. If I, I love it. Not you the win. Listen, you triggered, there is, my last count was 20 people like have done it. Yeah, and then we have, um, as it stands right now, uh, Hail Reaper has said they're going to do it. Howler Pod sent a substitution and said they would do it later. So we'll see yeah. when that comes down. Uh, Fabled Spirits did it last night. And that was awesome. Lit Escalates. And we lit have. Escalates. We have confirmation that they have accepted our challenge. Um, we don't know when that'll come because even then today I was making jokes about us all wandering around Tulsa, uh, which just a pack of Oreos being like, what else? And can the beer that we'll have at HowlerCon, like nobody's tried beer and Oreos yet. Um, the night's still young, but yep. we don't know what's happening. So it has taken off. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun. Um, like I said, where I get my whiskey from for pals, um, they might actually be like, you want us to dunk an Oreo in some of our ales? Sure. Why not? And they've got a range of flavors. So who knows? They might, I might, I might even have them jump in on it. They're crazy yeah. enough. They do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we need it's to make good. this a thing. Yeah. Like a whole ass <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. All of a sudden it's the More water bucket challenge. Is, but it's, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll raise funds for the den. Yeah, help Salem monetize. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just getting crazy. It's so funny how this like mm-hmm. one comment from Badger that right? you doing it then just went oh well if Drillbit's actually gonna do it I guess we all have to do it and it's right gotta jump in loaded. heck yes yep. and now people have done it multiple times. Summit mm-hmm. who was on the episode with us and did it with us she this afternoon did. Four different yeah, or, types. Um, different different dips. That, that was awesome. Peppermint schnapps and like a dessert wine. Yeah. Yeah. That looked. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of different things I think you could pull off with an Oreo, and I, I do. I think it is the the fact that it's such a dry cookie, and so it stoked it up. So you get the alcohol, just bam. But then if there is other flavors, you you actually get to taste some of those other flavors, and I think that's I think that's why Scotch is so tough with Oreos because. Yeah. It, it's meant to be subtle flavors, and all of a sudden it amplifies it to where it's like, uh-uh, no, you're not supposed to taste all of that. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to be subtle, and you're supposed to roll it on your tongue and, and feel it and then go from that way where all of a sudden it hits that dry Oreo and it just explodes. Like, oh, my gosh, that is, that is a lot. Yeah. So, 
That's my thought yeah. on it. That's the really interesting thing as we discovered is the rye and bourbon, everyone, well, most, the people who like rye and bourbon have done it with rye and bourbon and enjoyed it is what it'll say. Cause every once in a while there's somebody and they're like, but I don't even like whiskey. And I'm like, well, no, what did you think was going to oh, happen here? here. <laughs> we, were, we weren't going to convince you into drinking bourbon. Um, but the Jameson either the I've seen it twice and I think that's the mm -hmm. only Irish whiskey that's been used so far. And it's been yeah, with, uh, some like checkmate and rocket and rocket did not like it mm, and checkmate was not. like kind of no. he was like eh this is like a thing mm. it's eh. but then scotch it is like a hands down do mm. not touch no. scotch taryn from fabled no that's right yeah, she, did did love the she fucking loved it yeah okay but she did it with a s'more which I think then you already have An that Oreo smoky. S'more. Yeah, she did a Oreo s'more, which then I think already gives you a bit of that smoke. Oreo. Yeah. I don't know. And Maybe she's after sitting there I on a cigar. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, like and, she's. And also, the Lagavulin has a significantly different flavor profile to the Ardbeg, like you're trying. Like the Sorry. the Ardbeg is like a little bit more iodine, Need a little a bit more different glass. But the, than I can. The Lagavulin is. Like heavily smoky, like a meat yeah. smoke. Yeah. Okay. It's like, and it's, I find it almost like sweet. So, everybody pause for two minutes. Let me get a couple more glasses, some Kahlua, and <laughs> we're going to do this again. Hold on. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Oh, I did, I did three of these yesterday morning with Maker's Mark 101. <laughs> and I was not okay. <laughs> Like, I was, like, heavily buzzed. Yes. Isn't it crazy how fast it kicks in? Oh, yeah. Like, the Oreos make you go, oh, actually, okay. Can, can I throw a twist into this? Yeah. Because it's Girl Scout cookie season around here, and I forgot to bring my Oreos to the office, but I got a stack of Thin Mints. I'm kind of curious. Yeah. yeah, I finished all my Oreos. I think this is a I brand new bottle of... It is. It's a new bottle Sounds of like Kahlua. It. Nice. And my, my Driftless Glen is getting low, so. But yes, I will agree. That is that is definitely a thing with the Oreos and, and any alcohol is it speeds it up a little bit. Yeah, well, and the, and the 101 is, is 50%. My, mine is uh, 51, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm going to do... The Lagavulin first, because I feel like the Kahlua taste is just going to take over from everything. Probably. Probably. And now I'm going to have three different glasses here to sit. <laughs> All in good flavor, right? That a girl. Not as long as Brackets, who let her cookie completely dissolve. <laughs> <laughs> right? She's like, it was five seconds. I was like... Honey, no. <laughs> oh. That was five seconds what I just did. Okay, so this is the Lagavulin. No, it's good. It's way better than the Ardbeg. Yeah. I, yeah, I absolutely believe it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. We're going to have to... What I'm going to do is I'm going to keep all three of these glasses, and then depending on who we're talking about tonight... Switch out what I'm drinking. a girl. <laughs> so now I just have three open Well, hey, now you've got Kahlua for when we're talking Virginia. Yeah. 
I should have thought about that earlier. That clue is coffee-based. I don't know where it is. Yeah. Well, she's tea-based, but Severo is definitely not. Mm -hmm. yeah. Tea is uh. just coffee with piss instead of coffee. <laughs> um, my, my mom likes her coffee like super light, and it drives my, my stepdad just nuts. He's like, she doesn't drink coffee. She drinks piss water. Um, and so, like, he'll make it how he likes it. So it's not quite dark enough to stand a horseshoe up in, but it's close. Mm -hmm. And he'll put about that much in her cup, and then the rest is creamer. Um, and my mom likes that. Uh, but no, my stepdad likes it dark. My grandma likes it darker. My grandma, who's in her 90s, loves it black. I mean, black. And That's how I was raised. I don't like black coffee, but I will drink it if it's offered to me because that is what grandma told you to do. And you mm -hmm. don't. And grandma says this, you do it. And I remember visiting my one cousin. We're at the same age, so we were at different uh, colleges, but mm. in the same area. And I went and visited him one weekend. And th that morning, he's like, oh, like, what do you put in your coffee? And I was like, cream. And he's like, does grandma know that? <laughs> I was like, no, grandma doesn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't wrap me out. I love that. All right, Kahlua. Yeah. Which my, I feel like is going to be is... freaking delicious. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I I drink my coffee. If I'm making it to drink it, I drink it black. But like, like if I'm picking up coffee for the road or something, double-double. Tim's double-double. You have to explain a double-double. Do you know? Drill like can... Yeah. <laughs> that is the most common... Like, if we go to McDonald's, we'll say double-double. Like, it's weird to us that we have to be, like, two creams and two sugars. It's a double-double. Mm -hmm. It's all Latin to me. I couldn't have told you what any of that meant. No. I don't drink that, so. It's very Canadian. All right, here's the Kahlua. Mm. Good, but I don't think it's soaked into the cookie enough. The cookie is still dry. Oh, oh. I wonder if it's because of a lower alcohol percentage. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Like, it just tastes like an Oreo. So, I'll throw another one in. I'll just keep eating Oreos. There you go. All right, while you're doing that, I'm going to try my Thin Mint in my, in my rye whiskey just to see. I've got my little football coolers in there, too, so it kind of makes dunking a little bit more interesting. And, yes, it says Crown Royal because that was the glass that I grabbed. I do That's like Crown. Um, it definitely so that's uh, the official. That's the official whiskey sponsor of our Nebraska Land Days, um, our big drunk fest here in town. Um, so uh, clearly, we like it. All right, let's try this. The Oreo packed more punch. This just yeah. flavored it. It didn't like soak in. Mm. It's not bad. Um, We'll so, try it after I take a bite out of it. This is a thing. Can you show? So we have different Girl Guide Mint Thin Girl Guide cookies. So is yours oh. like our ours is encapsulated in um, chocolate? Like I was tempted to do it with one of our Girl oh. Guide Thin Mints, yeah. but the, it wouldn't have gone into the chocolate. Yeah, okay, it's so a similar coating. to ours, but ours has almost like a white middle that Oreo, yeah. but it's coated. Yeah. yeah, like I feel like you would need to. Oh, that's much better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like you got to get it in there. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay, that is... Oh. Mm. 
new favorite. Not even a question. Okay, so earlier we were doing Still the just peppermint like schnapp. Yeah. With with the Oreos. Mm -mm. Nope. Nope. Thin mints dipped in whiskey is better. Not All even comparable. Noted. Noted. Um, this still, I just let it sit for like 20 seconds and it still just tastes like an Oreo. So, Kahlua, <laughs> it's so good. Oh, you don't know. And Ooh, I wonder if it's still, <laughs> it might still be taking on the alcohol, but coffee and chocolate, I think are maybe too close in flavor palettes that I'm just <laughs> over here being like, I don't know. It's a coffee crisp. It tastes like an Oreo. Yeah. So that's when, that's when you're. It's almost like a jello shot where you don't know the alcohols in the jello. Exactly. And you're like, it's nothing, and you start, you keep popping them, and then the fifth one in, you go, oh, fuck. I know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, yeah, then, then the alcohol kicks in. Mm -hmm. oh, very true. All right, should we actually, like, talk about Dark Age? Maybe. Maybe. This is a fun it's section. I like this section. Yeah. This section's a lot of still... Yeah, we've got some not world-building from the Lysander Darrow. We've got almost kind of conclusion pauses in their parts. But we now get, like, so much in Ephraim and Virginia Mustang, Virginia. Yeah. whatever we want to call her tonight. Uh, that well, she's, being the, she's being heavily the sovereign, so I think we should she call her She is very much Virginia tonight. Yep. Um, but we get more of what those worlds look like, which is a lot of fun. So we kind of get that world building going in. But we're going to start with Darrow or Lysander? Who do we want to start with? Get Lysander out of the way. All right. Yep. Our favorite. I mean, he's the first He's the first one up in this set. Yep. And he has, uh, he has a bit of a life-changing experience. I think oh, he, he finally experiences war? Yeah. I think he has two life-changing experiences in this one. I I think his first one is, is his conversation with Ajax. Um, oh, yes. I, I think I think to see how he gets so slapped in the face with, all right, you were the power one because of your name. Yeah. And I'm not going to let you have that again. I, I think that was, I think that was such a psychological smack where I think if he had longer to digest it, Darrow wasn't coming, the Reaper wasn't coming and his leg wasn't wet. Um, I think that would have been an even bigger psychological rending, but the Reaper came. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very interesting, like I just. We get to see Lysander as a child through the eyes of another child, almost. Like, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yep. It's, we have always seen him either viewed by adults or by him, his own perspective. And so mm -hmm. it's a very, it's very cool to have that little tidbit of what his childhood, I would say, actually, well, not actually looks like, but perceived in a different angle mm -hmm. on it. Well, I always look at it this way. When my wife gets together with friends that she grew up with in Houston, they revert back to the youngest age they knew each other. 
And some of them, it was middle school. So they turned back into screaming tweens again. Um, and my wife is not a, that is not her. <laughs> um, and I feel like this is applicable to Ajax and, and Lysander. All of a sudden they revert back to, you know, the men they are now is not their interactions that they are going through now. I think yeah. it is very much still a pair of nine-year-olds told to go out and do something, you know, go out to a camping trip or whatever. And Ajax is still that, that scared little boy, and he cannot see Lysander as a person. He sees Lysander as, oh, well, you're just the loon that's going to rule over the grimaces, and that's how I perceive you. Yeah. And I think I think that still is his interaction focus. You know, it's kind of like Bill Gates going back to his hometown. He won't do it. He won't go to his high school reunions because he's not Bill Gates, the Microsoft genius billion. No, he's the nerd that everyone picked yeah. on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. <laughs> And then he has his second lander. Um, when he's there, this, I, like I think this one's like by far the bigger one. Oh yeah, yeah. Like he he's grown up seeing Darrow, mm-hmm. idolizing yes. Darrow for a while. Yes. Yeah. That's, and I was gonna like, say on that note, watching like, his ascendance. Yeah, like, that's the thing, is when we first meet Lysander, he thinks that Darrow is the end-all, be-all. He is a Darrow stan. Oh, yeah, I have watched your hollows. Oh, my God, it's the howlers. Oh, my God. And now he's about to be burned. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Well, I I love this scene so much. Oh yeah! Like it's this brilliant. is the this is the first time we ever see Darrow fight from somebody else's perspective. Yes, and oh, I yeah. was talking with um, with Caron and Tower yesterday, and they were they were talking about how smart it is of Pierce to yes. instead of writing Darrow's prowess from Darrow's point of view, which I mean, like he does. Yes. But doing it from somebody who doesn't like him, but is now forced to admit, like, this guy's the Old real shit. fucking deal. Like, yes. this guy is the god of death. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he is the reaper. Like, yeah. Um, it's so much more impactful. Yeah. And especially, I have to agree. Yeah, especially since, you know, Lysander has, I mean, he's got a tangle with, you know, pirates and you know, rim people and rim factions, and he's got to see the the rim people. But you know, seeing you know, it's like like watching any any athlete in person. You see them do stuff on the television, and and all right, that's cool. And even sitting in a stadium, all right, that's that's cool. Uh, but then all of a sudden, you you stand across from them, and they do something, and you're like. Fuck! Did you do that? And I think yeah. that that eye-opening experience, like you said, it was so smart for Pierce to write it that way because 
it all of a sudden made Lysander realize, oh, this is who I'm going against. This is this is real, and this guy is a force of nature. He's a force unto himself. He, I'm not going. I can yeah. yell for my Praetorians to kill the Reaper. <laughs> I ain't gonna make it happen. Yeah. 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 It's like it's it's Lysander basically realizing like, oh, he is 15 steps past me. Uh huh. Like, I I don't even I literally don't register to him. No. Like that's I that's, think that, my that, that's favorite exactly part. Yeah. Like, yeah. But the, can you the imagine the contrast between like Lysander just like having this absolute fucking shit hammering. And then Darrow's like, we brush away light resistance. Yes. Yeah. Can you imagine like, though? Like he's, can you imagine so, if so Darrow would have known? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like he's oh. he's that far past Lysander that him not trying is like Lysander's world ending event. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like Oh, that was so smart to write it that way. Oh my oh, god. Oh yeah. Well, it, it wouldn't make sense to write it in Darrow's because it, Oh yeah. It, it's not registering. He's got other bigger exactly. things happening it's, in the back. It's not an oh, important yeah. thing it's for him. Yeah, like he's not gonna care about the one gold if he even knows that Lysander's a gold in that moment. Well that's like, like burning the love knight is there too. But instead that it's was like, the bigger concern. It's the fear knight is there. Yeah. No, no, no. The Love Knight uh, is... Sorry, Love Knight. Um, Fear Knight comes later. Yeah. yeah. Love Knight. Yeah, Fear Knight so, comes later. Yeah. yeah, no. Darrow doesn't register this unscarred pixie, which is no. exactly what Lysander is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you just hopped along for the ride. Well, I'm going to bat you aside with my razor because you aren't worth the shit on the bottom of my boots. And yeah. I'm going to worry about the Love Knight. But even then, he chews Olympic Knights for breakfast, so he's... Okay, I'm going yeah. to deal with you because I have to, but I got shit to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like... At, at the beginning of the book, he he spends seven seconds taking down the Death Knight. And he's like, yeah. that's good for him. Like, great work lasting seven <laughs> seconds. You're right. Yes. Golf clap. Like, Golf clap. How? Yeah. Yeah. He is he's a he's a force of nature and he has he has big shit to worry about. He does not care about a whelp. Though no. I think I think if he would have known, if he would have had the same knowledge that Roan and the rest of the Praetorians and Kalandora, if, if, if Daryl would have known who was there, I really do think he would have finished, made sure the job was finished. Because I think yeah. he knew oh, the danger 100%. that the loons represented. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Lysander got lucky. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it made for great writing later for Pierce. So, you know, mm -hmm. little, little plot shielding for later drama. Yeah. But yeah, it's just very... And I, I like um, Lysander's chapters for the description of it. And I don't think we would have got that description from Darrow of certain mm -hmm. elements of it. And so I think it makes it so much more dramatic coming from Lysander just because of how, yes. mm -hmm. how Lysander's inner monologue works. Darrow is very yeah, cut and so dry. We're moving on thing. Yeah. That Lysander, his is so, for me, so enjoyable of you get that world. You can picture it. I don't usually like, I'm not a visual reader and that is, Lysanders you can picture as they're happening. Well, and he's so sentimental about different things. Yes. You know, Darrow gets sentimental about 
about duty and honor and acts and Mustang and several. He that's what he he gets sentimental about people. Lysander, I feel like when Pierce was writing him, he made him be so much more sentimental about um, you know the smell of the battlefield and the um, you know the fact that here's a sunblood that died um, mm-hmm. because of this this storm god and how you know that feeling of home he got from the Praetorian. Um, and he does, he, he gives you a different perspective, uh, on how he feels like the rest of the, and, you know, he talks about when, um, Serafina gets, you know, in half from a, a munition, you know, there's her entrails bleeding on the ground. It's like, oh, well, that's, uh, that's rather visual. Yeah. Um, and I don't yep. feel like Darrow gives you that same flavor. Like you said, he, he, he is you know, dry and cut to the point, you know, we got, we got things to do, yeah. but Lysander gets like, he soaks in the moment so much more. And I think that really plays to, you know, his memory ability too, is that his memories are going to be more vivid because they're more vivid in the moment. Um, right. Don't go kiss me off about Lysander, but we'll get to that later. Well, I mean, you're comment about Serafina. That's, I think, a huge pivotal moment for him as well. Of mm-hmm. He's seen death. He's seen whatever. But that's his for- first, I would say, shock of war. Yep. Of mm-hmm. this very brave, confident person is just yep. gone. Bye. Gone. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's not a hat death, but it, you know, to Lysander feels like a hat death of like your god like what is happening what the hell yeah and so that's a really interesting pivotal of like i think all of this is we see he finally learns what war is yes Mm -hmm. yeah yeah he's he's starting to believe that war is hell yeah yes All right, so Darrow next. Yeah, that's that's yeah, about that's the pretty only much relationship it for Lysander has in this set of uh, yep. set of yeah. chapters. Yeah, yeah. Rather than Darrow, it's an interesting how we're going through how he's well. So he's where we pick this up. So Orion's gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, we brush away light resistance. That's where we yeah, pick Darrow up. That's where we pick <laughs> <Right>. him up. <laughs> um, and um, Heliopolis he's is heading for Heliopolis. Yep. Yeah, and he's felt that grind, and his units have started to feel that grind. And I think that was, you know, the fact that this first uh, seventeen chapters, the fact that it was so dedicated to just Darrow, Lysander, Lysander, Darrow, back and forth. I think it was so smart of Pierce, because I think in some of the other books, where you know it's like Ooh, a battle here or a battle there, you don't feel the grind of war. I think right. in I think yeah. last chapter on Darrow, you and especially where this one ends up, I think you feel so much of that grind because to listen to it, because I, I wasn't fast enough to read it. I was like, nope, I got to get to this. I got to listen to it. But listening to it, it's like, man, you finally hit that last Darrow chapter. And you're like, this was a grind. Like getting through this, it's 
the cadence and the fact that there's moments where it's, you know, all right, it's kind of dry, it's kind of dry, you know, mercury, dry. Um, <laughs> and, but then you get these very high staccato moments where it's just it battle, 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 you know, and, and, yeah. and death is flying around you and then it goes back to dry. To me, that feels so much like the stories that I've heard about what war is like, where it's, it's you know, undetermined hours of boredom inserted between terrifying seconds. Mm-hmm. And my dad's a, a Vietnam vet, and he was a lifer. Uh, he did it for 35 years, and there's still stories he won't, he won't tell me. And that's okay. I don't want to know those stories. Yeah. But there's one that he tells where um, they were dropping off in a hot zone. Uh, there's bullets flying. He was a gunman on the on the chopper doors, uh, and a helicopter, uh, not pilot, um, mechanic. They're dropping in a hot zone, and there's bullets flying everywhere on both sides of the chopper. I mean, they're watching guys get chewed up. Literally, like how Pierce is riding it. I mean, it's just like bodies are just missed. Um, and you know, and all they're doing is getting down close enough to the floor, dropping guys, and they're back up. And in one of those chaotic moments, uh, the gunman that was on the other side of the door from him had a bullet go between his head and his helmet, wrap around, and shoot out the other side. Um, you know, millimeter one way or the other, that bullet tumbles and he's dead. Uh, the army let him keep that helmet. <laughs> he got called lucky after that. I'm right, you got called lucky. Yeah. Um, but then that, you know, Pop says they would go back to, and I think it's funny that Beverly calls his dad Pop because I call my dad Pop. Um, yeah. Just like he called his dad Pop, and you know, it's a family thing. But, but to hear that, you know, Pop had these moments where it's boredom. It's just, you know, you're sitting there and you're just turning a wrench on a, on a helicopter engine just to turn a wrench because you need something to do. And then the next second, you got bullets whizzing past your head, and you're you're in your pants because you might die any second. And your only option is to pick up a gun and shoot at the guy shooting at you. And then, you know, half an hour later, you're turning the wrench again. Um, and I felt like Pierce's description in those first seventeen chapters, where it was such a grind and such a mix, I felt like that was such a a, a good nod towards what we as civilians get to hear what war is like. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, and especially, um, I would say, and this is at the end of the segment, but where Darrow's almost refusing, well, he is refusing to sleep and he's so high up on the stims that it's just this, like him as the general being like, I Mm -hmm. can't, like, I can't lay it down. I can't like, yeah, it's, to the end ruling yeah uh, yeah we also we also get uh hick s lupus motherfucker yeah, yeah. Love that part. Love that line. it gives me chills every time every time oh, i'm with you He's like yeah. uh screw face says uh you got a wolf cloak no he's been in my pack since i was 16 Yo. like, yes yes big ass lupus motherfucker it's like, oh. yeah. yeah, love Screwface yeah. in this. Don't, Screwface don't and Callaway are the two in this. Yeah. 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 Don't oh. let that man die. Man, kick ass lupus, motherfucker. Yep. Oh. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chills every time. Yeah. Yeah. Can't uh, remember who it is that has that shirt, but I want it. Okay. If we're talking about Red Rising gear, I could blow a budget that would match my Star Wars budget for I know. Red Rising it's... stuff. And my wife looks at me, she's like, Thomas. You have to, yeah, I know, I know, I know, because I've got a whole office full of these little mini football helmets, along with all my Star Wars shit, along with all my Red Rising shit, along with all my board games. And yeah, yeah. There's so thing. much for this like fandom. Yeah, I've I've put a pause. We the Howlers Den just launched their merch shop. Uh, there's a few different things. Uh, we just had the Kickstarter, the Let Us Like Kickstarter just came out. Yeah. I, I am on a hold, spending, spending hold until HowlerCon. <laughs> I did yep. the Kickstarter that's because that's a kind of one and done. And then yep. I am on a hold until HowlerCon because yep. yeah. there's got to be some money in my bank account or else I'll have <laughs> nothing to dip Oreos into. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, this, well, so we've got, uh, I would say that's the great part, and then Callaway, which previous to that, so we do get the Daryl almost dying scene yes. of him yep. versus the Fear Knight, and he, like, this uh, is one of the first, I would say, that you are, and especially because now we have the different point of views, mm-hmm. I would argue that Daryl is ex- not expendable. That's not the word. He doesn't have plot armor anymore. Normally, he yes. all the first three. Oh yeah, Darrow totally can't die armor. because then who? No. Then there's no yeah. Story. What's gonna happen with the rest of the books, right? Like, but we are at the point now that Darrow could die at any moment, and we just get a yeah, different point of view, a on. new point of view, whatever. Um, but so we get him versus the Fear Knight, in which he goes down and Oops. should have died is my argument there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And what a miserable way to die. Oh, God. Oh, fuck yeah. Fuck him till he's bloody, cut his cock off, shove it in his mouth, film it, send it to the sovereign. Yeah. Holy shit, what a bad motherfucker yeah. he is. Yeah. Yeah. But at the yeah. last Dar- moment. Darrow got lucky on that one. Yeah, yeah that at did. the last moment, like, we get so the... We get the song, not properly sung, but said at mm-hmm. least. And Calloway comes comes in. Which I think it's Daryl that says forgot about Calloway's Z Char. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's one of the most scary moments I would say in this series up until this point that we think we're going to lose Darrow, and it is a real possibility at this point. Because even yeah, in Iron Gold, we don't really see a moment of... Yeah, Iron Gold doesn't really have a moment closest. where we could lose him, but this is it. Yeah, yeah this is the closest Darrow comes to dying. Like, for, yeah, in this, in the second set of the saga, but yeah. like, in in a fight, yeah, this is... Darrow's never it's really... Well, I guess Cassius. Yeah. Like, Getting stabbed in the stomach by yeah. Cassius is like yeah, that's absolutely kind of as close of a parallel as you get. Yep. Yeah. 
Terrifying. And then makes, like, a comeback that he's just going to live off stims for a few days. And Yeah. Well, and, I think it was just the one day, but it was just, like, it was a, it was a day. Well, it's, yeah. so he's had six and then ten injected in his neck, and it's it's Rona who's the one who's, like, he's going to fucking die. Like, you can't do this. Right? Like, yeah, you're on the fact that he's been is like, that whole time having a heart attack, you dumb bastard. Yeah. As someone who's had a heart attack... That fucking sucks. That pain you can't ignore. Yeah. No, he's he's going for it. And he wants... It's fine. It's fine. But yeah, they luckily are like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. And he's, oh, well. and he's like, so fucked up. He's just like, I need more stims. Yeah. They're like, uh, no. No. <laughs> Not how this you need works. a medic guy. And you yeah. need to lay the fuck down. <laughs> no. I think it's interesting that they... Um, like they are trying to preserve the Reaper mm-hmm. so much that the Howlers crowd around him and fly so close to him that it doesn't look like he's, he's like that they're blast. carrying him. It's just like, yeah, they're so like, yeah. Well, you got to keep that image up. You got to keep. Well, absolutely. That's absolutely. the morale. Like, morale like he is, is the yeah. He is um, the the symbol of the whole thing, and if without him, everyone's well. What are we doing this for? Like, it's a bizarre and, stance that we've had discussions about. What is the contingency plan if he dies? Like, do you seriously yeah. need him to that extent? And right now, we're seeing that at least in the middle of battle, you don't want him dying. You want. No. To pull to pull some historical facts on you here, uh, you want the Lord Nelson where he's pulled down below ship so that you don't know. You want the uh, here's a Canadian one for you: the Montcalm versus Wolf, where both of them on the plains of Abraham are shot. Uh, Montcalm, they pulled him off and he died off the battlefield because you didn't want the French to know that his the general had actually died, um, and Wolf who was the English general, had gotten shot and injured and was, he luckily survived, but both of them almost immediately during the Battle of the Plains of Abraham pulled off the field because you don't want the people knowing that their generals might die in this moment. Yeah, like, and that's what you're seeing here of, like, what what is happening? We can't have the Reaper go down. It's the death of Palpatine over the Battle of Endor. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was a route one way turned around the other way um yeah yeah and i think i think a lot of his image preservation also hinges on the fear knights reputation and presentation i mean the the force of bodies and everything he has done to just like his name implies to impart such fear you know if you're the if you're the free legion and you've seen this guy just run roughshod through your allies, through civilians, through your fellow troops, and knowing that that crazy son of a bitch is who you're on the other side of, um, and knowing that your one your one hope to get past him is the Reaper, um, yeah, he dies, and I think Heliopolis is a different. A different story and Darrow knows that. I mean Darrow was just there 
Um, yeah. He had the fear night on his, you know, his foot was on his neck. And, and I think, I think that's where you see, you know, there's some of the stubborn, no, I, I have to keep going after. But I think some of that is also the, oh my gosh, what if the fear night comes back into the battle? Right now it's just Ajax. But what if the fear night comes back in the battle and I am taking an out? Um, yeah. that, that undercuts so much of it. And you have to think that has to be some of, you know, you, the fear night is a, is the boogeyman. I think the number of times you actually see him is zero, um, you know, for the common troop, but you know what he's done. And if you do see him, you're fucked. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that's where, I think that's some of what Daryl was running off of is the boogeyman syndrome. Like, well, if I go down to, you know, been at the new stem. What happens if this guy comes back in the battle? And that's, you know, Parnassus asking, "Where have you been?" Um, everywhere. Uh, I, and it is. It's it's boogeyman syndrome. So. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I I like that that Parnassus is like, you know, they must they must have released some sort of like hallucinogen. Like every man <laughs> swears they said swears they saw you, and yeah, where are you or where were you? And he says everywhere. And everywhere. Like, Jesus Christ! Mm-hmm. He swaps out like six star shells. Yes. Like, oh my god. Sets of pulse armor. Like, dude is just a fucking machine. Yep. And then he burns his held ever hands. <laughs> Right. Oh, oh, that's what that is. Yeah. Oh, damn it. Oh, yeah. oh, there's the pain. Yeah, I guess my gauntlet broke. That's the one thing I pulled out of this one that's really interesting. Helldiver's hands. But anything. There's, um, I forget what happens, but the only colors that are able to take it are the reds and the golds. And they yes. make the comment of the everyone radiation. else. The radiation. Yeah. Everyone else is like gone and the reds and the golds are because the golds obviously having the superior genetics and then the reds are just so used to it now that they're yeah that their genetics are like yeah rat legion is sturdy yeah like that's really interesting to me of that like the two on the top and the bottom can take it Mm -hmm. but the middle cannot yeah yeah those hell divers man the, the the green where his hair's falling, I'm like, how's a techie doing in a Drakenjaeger? Like, mm. like I, I kind of get it, but at the same time, orange, yes. A limey? A Drakenjaeger? All right, man, whatever. Hey, you know what? A blue can write poetry, maybe a silver, I don't know. Um, or throw, throw a limey in a Drakenjaeger. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, like, theoretically, they would be able to run a Drakenjaeger faster because they have the, the like the neural link. The neural uplinks, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's, like we know Rona has to get bolts implanted in her body yes. to run it. I wonder if the greens do. Oh yeah, you gotta think they do. Maybe, think anyone maybe, they, just, maybe they just run it on their uplink. Maybe. Still, they're mm-hmm. still getting stuff like uploaded into their gray matter to make this happen. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I'm not saying it's a good decision, but no, <laughs> no, no, no. Put a computer nerd in a in a tank and let him run it. Um, I'm sure he can figure it out probably better than the layperson, but 
Um, okay, yeah. sure, let's do it. Yep. All right, any last comments on Darrow for this? We only get him for a little bit. Yeah, tough son of a bitch. Yep. He is that. Yep. Uh, well, then we'll channel over and let's go to Ephraim. Let's go to Fuck a yeah, slightly Ephraim. funnier segment. We get kind of some comedic relief a little bit. But yes. it starts in confusion, I will say, though. That, like, oh, you're sure. sitting there going, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and then it's basically withdrawal is what the fuck is uh -huh. happening. Yeah, he's yeah basically going through surgery while being in and out of consciousness. Yeah. Yep. And then withdrawal. And then terror. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yep. And the... The attic nature of, you know, uh, where Pac says, hey, you asked for Z before you asked for Volga. Yeah. I'm not giving you this back. Yeah. I mean, oh, talk about a dagger in the heart. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're in trouble, mate. So. Yeah. Those but kids, though, I would love to have, have had a, like, sober look at what happened that these two kids are just like all right like mm -hmm. we'll take control like oh. and again what they're nine and eleven <laughs> something like that yeah. yeah yeah well i mean uh we we find out a little bit later what actually happens mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. that scene oh but see yeah, i forgot like the kids ba the kids basically don't yeah. Don't do anything. Yeah. Um, there's two, maybe three different groups that come in and, and basically. Yeah. One tries to salvage the ship. Yep. And then another one comes in and is like, nope, kills nope. all of them. And then yep. takes You're the coming with us. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But yeah. And then once he's fully awake, he gets. I love the imagery of him. Like, it's like this huge apartment like uh -huh. balcony apartment yeah, yeah super rich super like posh. very Ooh, my posh. daughter's favorite word yeah. bougie bougie yeah. i was about to bougie. say it it's so bougie and he yeah. gets to wear slippers and like, <laughs> like a furry robe and like, yeah yeah to figure out what the fuck is happening when the obsidian walks in yeah, yeah and then of all the people he meets all the obsidians he could have meets, he meets this one. Yeah. yeah. And just, who the fuck are you? You're putting your hand in fire. What the hell is wrong with you? And you're, what is yeah. it? You're eating a walnut? And there's <laughs> bones in there? Walnuts. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the, yeah. Yeah. the crack show that must have been. Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, it's a very interesting... Well, and you learn that there's a little bit of history that Ephraim knows far more than we know he knows, I would say. Oh, yeah. Where he knows the names of people. He knows, like, oh, fuck. Like, the moment he realizes that it's... Uh, Valdir? Val... Valdir. 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 And he fucking jumps out the window. <laughs> He's yeah. out. I don't care. Gravity doesn't hurt that bad. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, we we get to like we we learn a little bit about uh, Ephraim's relationship with his reputation. Yes. Uh-huh. Like, he's like, I built a career around doing shit like this. Ephraim yes. the acrobat. Ephraim I was the gonna ref- say the reptile. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And but his leg, like, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my god! Yeah. It doesn't. Holy shit! They gave me Iron Man's like, What the, the hell? <laughs> yeah, it shoots me like a bloody ballista bolt. <laughs> yeah, three times stronger than the old one ever was. Right, and the fact that he can he can place such an objective measurement on it, it's like, oh, you really do know your shit, don't you? Um, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and then yeah, the Griffins and come like, and what pick. a what a fucking exit! Like, oh yeah, just. Yeah. Deuces. <laughs> yep. And, There's some vines on this tower. I'm sure the vines. vines. <laughs> and then like, when he gets there, stick the landing, stick the landing, stick the landing, stuck it. And then he slips on the ice. Like, I mean, it's such slapstick yeah. humor. Oh my God. Yeah. That, that it's you so know, good. it's this mission impossible level escape. He has gone full Tom Cruise. Like, watch me, watch me just blow all your fucking minds and does, you know, to us mortal. And then he sticks the landing like the pro he is, and then flips on the ice. <laughs> yeah. Would we say it's a Tom Cruise exit or a Captain Jack Sparrow exit, where he can successfully get that far from oh, everyone yeah, yes. and then suddenly be absolutely surrounded <laughs> yep, by, yep, yep, by I, the British Army? <laughs> it is definitely I, a Jack Sparrow. I, yep. Jack Sparrow, I you know what I I sign off on that. Uh, I can't even believe you've got me, Crescent. You've got me on the he's Jack Sparrow. Yep. Because then yep. it's it's they come. We get the Griffins, the epic Griffins come yeah. up, and so and his just like, have you seen my my spaceship? Have you seen it? Have you seen my ship? <laughs> I know I parked it somewhere around here. It's got two big <laughs> engines, really fast. Seen it. Have you seen my ship? Yeah, got a lot of thrust. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Long yeah. sleep, no? two big engines at the rear. It's got a lot of thrust. Yep. Yep. Fucking Everman minute dick jokes. I was going <laughs> to say that was such a great dick joke. Um, and the fact that he's in your face. You know, he's telling it to an obsidian, then you know the obsidian is either going to go. Has no clue. No idea or, what's happening. He either has no clue or no patience for it. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I, that was that's such a great dick joke. Yeah. Yeah. Surrounded by the obsidian, the Griffins, including an albino one who is known yeah. as like it's the queens, it's Cephes. Oh yeah. Which is really cool. God eater. Yeah. God eater. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Fucking, Fucking love a good mythical beast. I love them. Love it. That's, that's why. I see, I see you. <laughs> what is it? What is it? Yeah, the light. Come on, Tom. You can do it. Oh, yeah. That was one of your hazard bedlam, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. This yeah. is one. Sometime last year, I was, I was on a kick. Someone, someone posted something. I'm like, okay. Duck at human faces. You'd think dentist do teeth all day. I can do, I can draw teeth all day, but a face, mm. I, it's not my skill set. But animals, 
I've been drawing those since I've been like 10. So when the black guy's like, oh, I could draw a griffin. Yeah. So there's that. And then, all right, I'll show up for a second. Yeah, Here's yeah. my other one that I love this one. Um, God, the light. The star. There it goes. The Apollonius Bull. Yeah. Nice. Um, Hell yeah. Lights. Um, yeah. Oh, I love the imagery of, you know, these are, these are our family crests. These are our, you know, who we, who we, um, model ourselves after. And, you know, I did, I love that the Arcos is where the Griffins. I just, I think that's yes. so cool. So yes, I totally put this one up because I knew we were going to talk about I love God it. Eater. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I'm always here for all of our mythological creatures, but the Griffins, especially oh, yeah. the descriptions, I think throughout this book, spoil just a little bit, but not really like all of the mythical creatures that we get with the obsidians in this book are just mm -hmm. top tier. And I think it gets back to Pierce's yep. writing of each character that that is what Ephraim would notice. Like, as that yep. con artist, as that, you yeah. know, person the who... Collector. The collector. He's so descriptive in this that I don't mm -hmm. think we've seen the Griffins through Darrow's point of view, but it's literally like, oh, look, a giant griffin. Rather than well, this, it's like... It's we, we so saw it much through, more. Yeah, we saw it through his eyes when he was at Arcos's yeah. estate on Europa. Yeah. The only thing he noticed was that the damn animal's eye was his, his head. Yeah. And, and that's all he saw. Whereas yeah. Ephraim was going to look and go, oh my gosh, I could take and you know, feather this thing and sell him for a boatload of money on Luna. You know, Ephraim sees the bigger picture on something like that. Yeah, and I, I think yeah, I, I think it, it's really neat to see different perspectives on it and see that you know he noticed the razor scarred beak, you know he noticed that it is not just a griffin but an albino griffin. It is actually yeah. god eater, which means he understands, you know, where Darrow just saw, oh my god, it's a griffin. No, from saw that it is an albino griffin, therefore it must be god eater. So that's yes. that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then also gets into, again, Ephraim and the connections to the Obsidian, that he's clearly, mm -hmm. either these are things that everybody knows, or it's ones that he's had run-ins or whatever, when we start to see kind of in that chapter of like, oh, you know a lot more than mm -hmm. we we thought you would, kind of a thing. Yeah, our, Ephraim's a smart cat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then we, we get him kind of being reintroduced to the kids. Yes. Okay, like, in the this best... Is, this is his first sober introduction. Yeah. Right. In the best way ever, and it kind of mirrors how we meet the kids in Iron Gold, yeah. is them in battle. Which, mm -hmm. which I think, uh, actually, and this just came to me, uh, kind of paints Ephraim almost as a father figure. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Well put. Yeah. Yep. I agree. But yeah, we get to see Electra, as expected, just completely take everybody down, but yeah, work as a team. Yeah. Like, it is noted that she has these people along with her, that she is the like the best fighter of all of them, but knows how mm -hmm. to use other people on the like on her team of they've got this covered, so I can do this. Like, and it's this. She's gold. Yeah, mm -hmm. like, That's she knows how to 
work her way through that rather than Mm -hmm. Pax ends up working solo because he holds back and waits. His team gets demolished and he he bends the rules, which is, I would say, very... Yeah, it's very of his uh, father, but then also the mother Politico let me change this yeah. dynamic and use it oh. in my own yeah. way. He's like, it's very interesting. Paradigm. Yes. Yeah, for mm. sure. Which is very interesting to see and him give this whole, you know, speech to Sefi as if he is the sovereign <laughs> herself. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Well, she, um, to kind of dribble into, you know, well, when you had the first chapter that Virginia had in this before we skipped over to Ephraim, you know, when she's addressing the cameras and, you know, she's talking about the the whole thing. She has that moment where she has to pause and repeat herself because she knows all of a sudden my son is not going to critique my speech when I'm done back on the shuttle. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about all of a sudden tax the sovereign, you, know, you start to wonder knowing that the sovereignty has really been a bloodline passage, more of a monarchy than it has been an electoral, like the democratic system is set up to be. You know, you wonder how much she has trained facts to know you need to think about this. Yeah. And and then all of a sudden he gets the opportunity, you know, never squander a good opportunity. Uh, so it goes the political. Um, you say, hey, you dumbass obsidians, you're doing this the old way, but yet you're trying to also do it the new way and with oil and water, it doesn't mix. And so, yeah, when you talk about all of a sudden he, he takes on the role of the sovereign, he he has been the, maybe not the mouthpiece of his mother, but he's been the critique of his mother. And she, she not only you know, knows he does it, but she expects it. So that means what he says has value. And if sovereign values what you're saying, how can you not think, well, what I say must be valuable. So for him to look at Sefi and go, well, I talk to the sovereign on a daily basis before this shit happened, you are nothing. You are a upstart queen. I deal with the person who runs the whole damn republic. So, yeah, I'm going to tell you off like you're no big deal because to me, you aren't. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I also Um, almost want to draw then connections of his rising or being raised to Lysander. But I feel like that's a whole other kettle of fish that we... <laughs> that's a whole nother bag of shit that that's, could turn we will leave that for now but it's just in my mind of him being raised almost in that political moment and mm. what we're seeing versus how Lysander talks and knows how he yeah. was raised I think uh, there's another interesting just little bit um, it's not really relationship but when Pax is fighting Ephraim specifically notices that he fought with his eyes closed. Yep. Yes! And I caught so that we this know, time. We know that Virginia is learning, like we learn in these chapters that Virginia is 
taking tech from Pandemonium oh. Chair mm -hmm. and adapting it. So we know that she has a bunch of Octavia's secret. Yes. Do we think that she has been training Lysan or uh, Pax in the mind's eye? I picked, well, I mean, I don't remember the first time. Maybe I picked this up the first time. Doubt it. But today I picked that up of why, why with the eyes closed, you need to know where your people are. He can't, this isn't he already him. knew. Yeah. 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 So I, I think, yeah, yeah. it would and, make sense. And somebody said, um, somebody in the den was talking about how like he hears, like he hears heartbeat. Yep. Just like hey, Aja. Aja. Yep. And we're pretty sure that Aja had the mind's eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes sense. Yep. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I subscribe to that theory. Yeah, I'm gonna I feel like now focus in on that as I read through and see. Huh. I'm not yeah. usually one who picks up on those little but today just because of the eyes closed. And why make a note of it if you're pierced? So there's I, I caught that when I was uh <laughs> Training my children to be good workers. We were mowing my brother's lawn, and I was I was on the trimmer, and that's when I caught that his eyes were closed, and it, it it stopped me trimming. And even my brother looked over, he's like, "Everything okay?" I'm like, "No, I just I, I caught something that that caught my attention." So yeah, it's great to bring that up because it is it's it's like, wait, so he knew the whole layout that moment, and and then he knows how to stick that shard of bone in that close. Yeah, exactly I will tell you, where it needs to go. I will tell you, you talk about two millimeters. I know what two millimeters is. I don't know that most people do. Yeah. That's fucking something, tight. something drill bit. <laughs> um, no, two millimeters. Is, two millimeters, you are you are flirting with some serious shit at that yeah. level. Yeah, that is about a sixteenth of an inch for our Imperial friends. Yes. Oh, I got tape um, measure here. <laughs> I got my sewing um, kits. My sewing kits all. There you go. Um, like, hold on. You guys won't be able to see it because I have to hold it up to the proper. That's a millimeter. Or sorry, that's a centimeter. Is that one? Yep. So about a millimeter will be. There is little lines. Little I don't one. know if I can get it, but it's. You're close. It's nothing. It's yeah. nothing. Yeah. This is also when I like to point out that I have very steady hands. Yeah, look um, at you go. It's no kidding. It's one a few drinks at a bar. Um, you know, you do the game like how still can you hold your hand? And you know, you get most people and they start doing this, you know, this shit where they're just wobbling, and I'm like, yeah, and they so can move. It um, is. It's so, a sixteenth of an inch, right? So that's that's an easier yeah. one to see. That is that line's an those, eighth of an those, inch. Those are eight. so half of that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the black the on white doesn't work as much. Yeah. So the fact that he sticks it that close, and the fact that human anatomy. Okay. One little diversion. I promise I'll stay off this tangent. Not. I'll get off this tangent quickly. Pierce makes so many anatomical references to teeth. It drives me nuts. It is so hard to pop a tooth out that you're going to do more damage than just pop the tooth out. 
and I'm done. I'll leave it alone. Um, cause I could, I could, I could drill on that subject all day. Yeah, I bet you could. Mm-hmm. I really want to be like, can I, can I please give you like a one hour quick tutorial on what it takes to actually pop a tooth out? Because the hangover not adequately supplement dental knowledge of how to take a tooth out. Um. <laughs> Are you telling me that Hollywood would just make a movie that lies? Maybe. I, um, I I'll say this. No, just they picked, no. <laughs> they picked the easiest tooth. Though how he did it with a pair of fucking Ace Hardware pliers and not damage the two teeth on either side is beyond me. But it, apparently, you need some uh, some work in your field. Yeah. And that, okay, and here's the thing. I'm sorry, I deviated. <laughs> you look at all the amazing, like dental prosthetics that are done for all the Hollywood movies. Uh, you think of Phantom Menace and what they did for Darth Maul. Um, you look at. Uh, Hannibal Lecter and what they did with um, Hannibal's character and 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 uh, oh, Red Dragon, what they did with um, Ray Fine's teeth, um, and you look at all these amazing prosthetics. You look at Sparrow, which actually Johnny Depp kept the work. Like he said, yes. no, we'll actually do it. And that level of work, I will tell you, that is fucking hard work. Mm. Um, if you're trying to do that kind of dentistry, um. Some of the gold onlays that are done, like what Jack Sparrow had, that is hard. Like that is not just oh, go find the guy down the street. Like I would be very, very skeptic on doing anything. Like, oh, that you want a prosthodontist that knows his gold work. Yeah. Um, so the fact that Pierce kind of says, "Oh, he got punched in the face and it popped a tooth out," and you know, he just spit it out on the ground. Mm, no, no, it doesn't work that way, but. Anyways, I'm in hockey. It does. I've seen a bunch of people in okay, hockey right. lose their teeth. There's a reason it's called spitting chicklets. Yeah, <laughs> but have you? Okay, you see the crown of the tooth get cracked off, but how many times does the crown of the tooth got cracked off and the root is left in oh, there? Oh yeah, okay. So when they haul their dumbass hockey asses into the locker room and they have a whole dental suite, and I've talked with guys who have been um, the team dental rep, and you know, they pull them in the locker room, they numb them up, they pop out the, what's left of the tooth, which is not as easy as it sounds, especially if it's a healthy tooth. And then the guy goes back out and they're like, oh, this is amazing. He popped the tooth out and he came back in. It's like, well, that's the anesthetic doing its job. And they probably got a dose of uh, marcaine in there to be a 12-hour anesthetic. So, no, he doesn't feel shit. I promise you. Okay. Uh, uh, was it the playoffs? The guy that got the skate along the side of the face and the 75 stitches. Yeah. No, he didn't feel shit. You want to know why? He had epinephrine that clotted everything all up and marking that kept it numb for 12 hours. He didn't feel shit. So, yeah, he went back out there and played. Of course he did. Yeah. Um, anyways, I do a lot of stitches <laughs> too, so I could, I, could, I could also talk about what it takes to get someone back together. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a plastic surgeon. Those guys do, those guys do some amazing shit. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, you throw a little marking in there. Yeah, you, you ain't gonna feel anything for twelve hours. You'll be fine. There you go. So, tax. Uh, I was gonna say, where were this, we? Shattered this bone stave. <laughs> Remembers where all of the shards are. Yes. Finishes fighting this kid. Move. Picks it up. Picks up this shard. Puts it that close. All with his eyes closed. Mind's eye. Like. Has to be. Yeah. Yep. And that, 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 I'm done with that. There you go. So then we, then we get Ephraim basically dressing down Sefi. Yep. And I know, Drillbit, you said you wanted to talk heavily on this speech. Um, because you really liked it. I did. I, I like I like his speech to Steffi, and I like um, how he handles the Scoogie. Um, and how he, he really points out to both of them that they're, they have done good things for the Republic so far. And their warrior mentality has played off very well. Uh, because killing was the order of the day. And when killing is the order of the day, I don't think anyone can match an obsidian. You know, if you throw a stained in with anybody, everyone, everyone freaks the fuck out because the stain is death incarnate, um, mm -hmm. sort of the Reaper. And even the Reaper was like, you know, when he met Ragnar the first time, holy fuck, what are you? Um, and that is what the obsidians are really good at. Um, and Steffi was good in uniting the tribes. But I think how, how Ephraim kind of looked and said, okay, congratulations. Step one. Thumbs up. But you haven't thought this through. And, you know, mm -hmm. we can't just waltz, you can't just waltz into this and expect that it's, you know, everything's going to be okay. Um, and there are there are more forces out there than you are than you are giving credit to, and I think, you know, and then you we skip ahead and get to to Virginia when she's like, oh no, I planned for all this to happen. This wasn't her. She wasn't being sneaky. I set this up for her, and she walked right down the trail I put her on. And I think Ephraim, being the smart cat he is, he sees that. And I think he he gives that Steffi, and he realizes what. Um, Pax did. He realized it better than any obsidian in that entire arena. Um, you know, but I think he sees that, you know, all right, you want me to do this. You want me to, to you've pulled in blues to teach astronavigation. You've pulled in oranges to, to do engineering. You've pulled in, you know, all the other colors to the gray, you know, Gold held the, the chains. We were the chains. Right. And you know that. Yeah. And you know that here I am, ex-legionnaire, ex-loonies, ex-ish operator. And you have an elite force of killing machines that have wiped out Red Hand, which is awesome. I really hate Red Hand. Oh, yeah. You did a wonderful job in writing them. The fact that the Scooby are the ones like, oh, we're the we're the cloak and dagger. You don't know that's coming, but then 
for Staffy to realize, okay, I need someone to teach them not to be the killing machines. We need that, but we need more. We need the grace. We need the operators. We need the secret police. Um, and no one here knows how to do that. And so we need our instructor. And the fact that Ephraim leverages so much of and what he wants to do because he knows he knows that he did you know here i am ephraim t fucking horn you brought me here you gave me a three figure a, a, what two or three figure how the hell do you say that comma two or three comma prosthetic flesh work when i should be by all rights i should be dead i shouldn't even you should have seen yeah. me said well he's just a great pos we want the children, yeah. but they go, no, no, no. We want all three of them. Yeah. And yeah. again, the operator's mind sees all of a sudden the merchandise that was important was indeed the children, $10 trillion, um, $10 trillion credit children. But he also realizes that he's an asset. And, yeah. and he can leverage his own value against Safi, knowing that she is going to pay. And, and even though he's also getting, you know, Volga and Lyria, he finds out Lyria, yay, um, their story gets to continue. But he knows that he's the asset. And if he wants to get the most out of this deal, he's going to, he's going to leverage himself. Well, that's one. You want to go for two? Um, I, I love that line. You know, when he looks yeah. at it. And, yeah, he's just yeah. jacking up the price on diamonds. Yep. Watch it. Watch me go. Um, and the fact that Steffi knows she's going to pay it too. Like, let's do this. Let's let's shake on it. And the fact that he sticks his hand out, knowing obsidians don't touch each other, and the fact that he's so comfortable breaking that particular wall. And I don't care. What are you going to do? Who's going to stop me? Are you going to stop me? Are you going to kill me? The queen's not going to kill me. Who is? Um, and and then later on, you know, when we jump to him and his Karachi, um, he reads people. And that's the reason he's such a slick operator. And that's the yeah. reason he's such a smart person is he takes, he takes the world that's presented to him and he reads where the stress fractures are at and he knows where to put the chisel and smack it. And he'll take that rock and turn it into a diamond because he sees the fault line and he knows that this is where, this is where the weak points are. Now, what he doesn't do where, what he struggles with is when he looks in the mirror, he doesn't see he's a drug addict. He doesn't see that he's an absolute shitty person yeah. um, to, to all those people who he should be great to, um, you know, whether it's Volga or, or, or the memory holiday. of trade or holiday. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, but but if you if you make him take that gaze and focus it externally, he has such a great way of breaking down situations and and being able to figure out where the pressure points are and how to push them just right so that no, you're not getting a quarter kilo of diamonds, you're now getting a kilo of diamonds. <laughs> um and I think that that is that uh, again. It's it's his viewpoint that really, you know, he sees the angles, and yeah. you know, people like that are so much fun. 
Yeah. And, and I really do. I love that character for that. Yeah. He knows his worth. He doesn't know his weaknesses, I would yeah. say, but he knows his yeah. worth. Um, I have to laugh, though, when he does the Scoogie talk. And then at the very end, it's like, by the way, <laughs> half of them don't understand Common. And he's like, you fucker. Yeah. Osgar, Osgard, <laughs> fuck you, fucking troll. <laughs> I, I love like he that. He just does this epic speech about, like, this is why I am mm -hmm. going to be the one to train you in this bit. And then just, by the way, half of them don't know what the fuck you just said. Like, yeah. Also, this is the moment we learn that everybody is speaking common. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Because we know this is, this is the moment we learn that that it's the base language is common. Yep. Yeah, because they speak Nagal, 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 Nagal. Where are you putting the Nagel. emphasis? Nagal, Nagal, <laughs> Philip Nagal. Uh, which somebody put in the Reapers room about, um, you know, what does that like? How much work did yeah, like, Pierce uh, put in? Like, is it is yeah, it like what, is the, it based on something or? Or is it like oh, you've just made up words or is it Elvish, <laughs> right? Where Tolkien yeah. went, let me make a language. Is it just Scandinavian? Uh, it, like, okay. The little bit, and I am not an expert in English. It, to me, like when you hear it, it, it rolls off like Norwegian, Swedish. For sure. Scandinavian. Yeah. And when you when you look at some of the stuff and you look at some of the words, like it, it really does kind of ring through more with it. So I think much like he bases a lot of stuff off of his Latin and Greek yeah. um, to create so many of his things. I, I, have, I have to think he's done his research and he's like, no, Nagal has its tie into like old Viking. Um, it, it would totally make sense. Language. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I like I we would need be very, brackets very to ring in on not. this one. Yeah, yeah, if it's not at least based on. Yeah. Um, oh, it, yeah, I'd say so. And I, I love that Granier, um, where he calls the greys the granite. Yeah, um, yeah. Granier. I love that. That's that's a, uh, that's such a fun word to say. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. Anything else on Ephraim? Um, I think... I, one of the things, the last things on him is you talked about fiber of character. And uh, this was actually something kind of now that we've touched Alexander Arrow from and we're about to go to Virginia, that I think this section really kind of highlights is you see different attributes in, in different characters and, and how they, how they um, allow those different attributes to shine. And for me, three of the things that really were uh, endpointed is you have strength, toughness, and fortitude. And where those three things are interconnected, they're not interchangeable. And when you look at someone like Darrow, he has strength, clearly. I mean, he's a very strong person, physically. Um, he has fortitude. 
uh, he'd gone through hell and come out the other side. But I, I question some of his toughness. I think when you look at it from a macro view, he is appears to be very thick-skinned. But when you when you zoom in, uh, there's 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 cracks in his layers, and there is a brittleness to his exterior. Um, he has and you know kind of worked hardened to the point that he's now a brittle exterior. When you look at someone like Virginia. She is strong in her own right, but strength is not her defining feature. It is her toughness. Yeah. She is a very tough individual, and we'll get to more of that later. And because of that, she has fortitude. And she she shows her fortitude, I think, in, in, in her POV section that Pierce writes. Uh, I have kept my teeth under my lips. Now I'm going to use them. And then you look at someone like Ephraim. I think he's the balance of all three. It kind of goes back to the gold held the chain, we were the chain. You have to be strong, you have to be tough, and you have to be fortified. And I think if you have if you have decent levels of strength and toughness, fortitude is almost implied. Um, because of the interconnection between the three. But he doesn't match either Darrow or Virginia and, and their peaks of both. Because he's so well-rounded, that is why he is the right fit to fit in with the Obsidians. Um, he knows Luna is now cut off for him. If he goes back there, several will find him. And if he doesn't, then... The, then the syndicate will find him, and either way he loses. Um, and he knows that Earth is not something to him, and I think there's so much pain from Earth, from, from Trig, that I think Earth is not an option, between Trig and Volga and everything else. So he realizes, and he said this, is, is Mars has to be my option. Has to be, because I'm out of options. And see that, or I go back to being a legionnaire, or the core faction society where I go to the rim and that's no better. Um, and so I think, I think Ephraim really kind of balances out the three characteristics of, of strength. I mean, he is strong. He's shown that he is tough. Good golly. He survived going through that escape. And because he has both of those so much, he has the fortitude to truly be the instructor that the obsidians need. And, you know, when, when, I, when this is all kind of rolling through the upstairs and, and I was kind of you know, thinking about it, okay, how does this translate into real life? You know, when, and this is kind of going back into in my job, strength is the domain of the masculine. And, and that's not to say that women can't be strong. They certainly can. I know some girls who are way stronger than I am. But, typically speaking, if you're strong, you live in a testosterone bath. Toughness is the sphere of females, and particularly mothers. Um, when I go to what I do and go to cold steel the teeth, um, I'll take a mom any day. Um, you put a you put a guy in the chair and he's fucking weaning, um, guaranteed. Um, and I think it it, it 
strength is a physical measurement. Toughness is a mental measurement. Right. And men, men excel in strength. Women excel in toughness. And like I said, they're, they're connected. They're not interchangeable. And then that fortitude is, is an intangible that is, um, endurance almost and it is genderless it is it does not care your age it does not care your size it does not care your ethnicity your orientation uh, anything whatever label you want to slap on it. it it is purely a measurement of your fiber and your individual individual being and i think if you want to talk about all the characters in this little section i think like i said ephraim is probably the most balanced i think all the characters, I think his fortitude is the one that shines the most. Okay. And I think the fact that it is based solely on who he is and how he displays it. I think that is, for me, that, that is one of the reasons I like Ephraim the most. Is he, he has such an internal fortification on, I can do this. Now, his weaknesses are totally blind to him. <laughs> he falls apart, but, which makes him much more relatable. But I think his fortitude is why I am rooting for him so hard in this book. I want him to succeed. Yeah. And that's my bow on Ephraim. I love it. And that was way more than you wanted. I'm so sorry. No, it's great. I love it. It's good. I love the passion. That's, it's great to have you on for that reason, that you have that insight. Yeah. It's fantastic. My yeah. philosophy. Yeah, we, we, know, we, know you're, uh, we know you're talking for a fellow Gray Fox. Yeah. Yeah. For those who um, don't know or who are, aren't in the den, uh, Drillbit is one of our senior howlers. Yeah. This year is 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 gray and white for a reason. Um, I'm not 16 anymore. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to say one thing um, about the strength being masculine and physical, toughness being... Uh, feminine and mental. Please. Do we want to feel like maybe fortitude is genderless but emotional? I mean, I can go with that. Yeah, you start talking about intangibles. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, and tangibles need labels in order to have discussions. Um, even though by giving a intangible label, it's an oxymoron. Yeah. Um, but yes, I feel like that that's perfectly appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I like it. Okay. Well, moving on then was, to our That toughness. was terrific, but Virginia? <laughs> yeah, yeah, moving Virginia. on to our... And Virginia, we had this discussion... Was it on the podcast or right before we started? Who knows, whenever we hit record. before we started. Um, about it is... Virginia we see and not Mustang. I think later, Correct. like we get cracks of Mustang, oh, but yeah. mm -hmm. it is the sovereign in these, these parts. Mm -hmm. And, and it's an element that we're, we sometimes see via Darrow, but not, we usually see mm -hmm. Mustang because Darrow gets, up. yeah. As Crescent once says, the Reaper gets Virginia and Darrow gets Mustang. Uh, mm -hmm. And so it's, 
we start with her, as you said, doing the big speech, doing the call to kind of, it is a political move of oh yeah, call people back to her side against the Vox Populi, to her husband's side, almost try and forget what he has done, the killing of Wolfgar, all of that. And, and we kind of launch straight into it of what the politics in the Republic looks like. This is not really a part of the series we've seen before. Darrow couldn't care less when Octavia was sovereign. We didn't really know what was kind of happening in that world. And now we're getting thrown straight into it and heavy, I would say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we are all of a sudden looking at the intricacies of the Republic from yeah. a political standpoint. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's a really interesting start of this. Of Again, we get the cracks of Mustang. Of She's still clearly worried about Darrow and Pax, but it is very much her trying to align her votes her relationship with Dancer has gotten to a point of just, like, different, well, this is Canadianism. Um, I feel like it almost works for America. Yeah, because Americans, you have the aisle as well, that you don't yeah. cross the aisle. Canadians yeah. kind of in our, in our House of Commons, you have the aisle. Um, ours, because we yep. have a multi-party system, I feel like is almost more like they're situated all around, but you still sit in your seat. And that's where we're seeing yes. Virginia versus Dancer. It is you are on the opposite sides, not mm -hmm. really talking, calling each other traitors at parts of this. Yep. And that's, you know, it's a very interesting what we're getting out of Mustang, mm -hmm. Virginia. I think uh, I think you see her father mm -hmm. come out in this, and I think you see where all of a sudden, and and she talks about it um, throughout her her monologue and or and her point of view in this, of you know no one knew what Octavia went through and the Jen's balloon to the extent that I do right now. Yeah. No other living person does. Knowing that, not knowing that Lysander's alive. Um, a little bit she is. Um, but you see her all of a sudden take some of the lessons that her, you know, bulls of the fish father put into play and addressing a room and how to wield that silver tongue. Um, you know, be able to, to rally people to his, now her will of no, this is what is going to happen. Mm -hmm. You're either going to fall in line or we're going to run you over. Yeah. Um, I do. I think that her play to the Vox um, and really to the populace of no, our, our greatest war hero was written off and he kicked everyone's ass. We need to do something. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And you see her relationship with her father come out through this. Yeah, for sure. Um, Skip, I admire how very quiet you were opening your Oreos. 
I've tried Bravo. so hard. I tried really hard, and I'm using a hazard because they don't stay open. Mm -mm. So, so I don't have to continue. I've got the hazard bag <laughs> stickers. Nice. I'm currently holding. It, I pulled one of these earlier, and I was like, oh my gosh, Thomas, can you make more noise? Mm -hmm. Well, I probably can't, but, but yeah, uh, nice job. Oh. You know, slowly just eat and talk the whole time. Um, well, it's really interesting to see, as you say, her relationship, I think, with her father and herself, that she was raised for this. Mm -hmm. But then we get glimpses throughout this of... So the dancer part of we get the phone call with dancer and it's clear mm -hmm. like they normally would have, they should be on the same side, but they've divided at this point. Quicksilver mm -hmm. should be on the same side. <laughs> that is the best fucking scene though. <laughs> uh, and literally like the callback to the war room yeah. of her feet on the table, hand me the apple, let me finish the apple. Now hand me a fucking rail gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this big badass rifle. And then I love it that Quicksilver's just like, you just bankrupted three companies by doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Boom. Um, One shot. And then we also get the ongoing theme, which I think is really interesting, of her and Daxo. Because yes. we, going into this, so she's raised by the Talamanas. We acknowledge this. We love them. They're fabulous. We're love actually, them. we didn't even talk about Darrow and Thraxa in this episode, but we know Thraxa's oh, around God, yes. and you see the badass with her hammer. She's just coming down as like Thor. Um, mm -hmm. But you see, she is a weapon of violence. Pax. Mass destruction. Pax was a lovable teddy bear, but when he was going to be a weapon of violence, he was a weapon of violence. Cavix. Let me shout Kavix my name. is a hardcore, like, couldn't keep him down when the uh, heist was happening and the kidnapping, and he's going to mm -hmm. come at you. And now we've got Daxo that she's got it in order to get him on his side, like, quote, Paradise Lost to him. <laughs> where, did, where did Daxo come from? Like, what the fuck is this? Like, I love that. And throughout, he, right. he Daxo knows... must be his, his mother's son. Oh, yeah. Like, Daxo is, is the... Okay. Daxo is the kid that when you have children and all of a sudden your child does something that you're like, wait, you're smarter than you should be at this level. Where the fuck did that come from? Um, yeah, who did you learn this from? <laughs> exactly. And, and your dad, um, I've seen my kids do that. And, and and certainly not to like the the high ability learner level or the you know um, autism level not, not nothing like that but to to see your child that you're like nah you're you're not that you're not that smart because you're a child and then ultimately do something that's that smart you're like oh I have the feeling that Avix and Niobe kind of constantly felt that with Daxo like holy shit which is kind of so, and, and, Okay, Crescent, you're the you're the encyclopedia in this. 
Is he the oldest? I don't know if we know. We don't actually know. Because there's one who's still unnamed. We, actually... we know Pax is the yeah. youngest, is I think all we know, other than the unnamed one. Yeah. We don't know the... So, the fact that Avix and Iobi agreed to have children beyond Daxo speaks to their Catholic background. I don't know. They don't, you almost have to at that point. You're like, no, we're required to have more kids. Because I will tell you that if I had a child that came across like Daxo, I would be scared to have another one. Because Daxo yeah. is fucking scary as a parent. Because you're waiting for them to pick the lock on liquor cabinet and slam down a fifth. No big deal. Because they're just that fucking smart. And I will tell you as a parent, there's a few times when my daughter C would do some stuff and I'm like, oh shit, okay, I need to skip ahead a few chapters in my parenting book and figure out what I'm going to do with this kid. <laughs> Holy mm -hmm. crap. And I felt like Kavix and Iobi were constantly skipping ahead because he was just such a different animal. It is, and you get Thraxa and, and you know, through to... Oh, so I know many, how to handle this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Through to so many children, Thraxa was... Lucifer incarnate, as he comes about later. Braxa is the no, I am the orc incarnate. I just want to hit shit. I just give me a big fucking hammer and a target. You really don't have to give me the target. Just give me the big fucking hammer. And, you know, where Daxo is going to think about it. Myself. Exactly. Yeah. Daxo's like, give me scalpel and I'm going to pick my targets. Thraxa just wants to hit shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is wonderful. And then you get Pax, the youngest, the one that everyone loves. He's just a daddy bear. I know. It is. But he, 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 he's neither of his siblings. He is just the one that he's just going to go do stuff. And he's going to get away with because he's Pax. You know? mm -hmm. um, uh, and, again, credit to Pierce for... Having the psychological understanding of okay, this is the firstborn, this is the secondborn, this is the thirdborn, this is the fourthborn. You know, this is the middle child syndrome. This is you know, and, and it's so much. I, I do, and I love that he even all the way back in Red Rising, he talked about how Darrow was not the oldest. That was Kieran, but because Kieran was kind of a little bitch and wanted to cry at everything, Darrow was the stoic one, right. and that is such good. Psychology on children. I would say, also, actually, I would argue to... that Xena would be the oldest. Zana would be the oldest because she's yeah. the one who sits there and does the admin work. Is she not the essential yeah. oldest yes. daughter of the family of keep Fair. dad in line? Right. Like, yep. I stand corrected. But still, also, I mean, also, Daxo after Daxo Daxo. also, Daxo, Thraxa, and Pax are all pretty close in age. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I, they don't specifically say it, but I imagine that Daxo and Thraxa are slightly older than Mustang and Darrow. And mm -hmm. then Ash was obviously the same. the same age as Virginia and Darrow. Yeah. But I, I, I bet you that Zena yeah. is the... What she's the oldest daughter who has to keep yeah, dad that in makes line. Perfect sense. You have to do the fucking admin yep. work. The administrator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. I, I stand corrected. Yep. Yeah, that's true. But again, that's Pierce's brilliance that he oh, yeah. said, okay, 
we need to make sure that when we have a family, especially a bigger family, we need to make sure that the children stay true to their birth order. Yeah. It's a whole nother level of psychology, but I, I feel like he did that very well. Which now I'm just laughing at us just naming Xenon, but essentially the family copper and in the Brown household, Blair, the older child, is the lawyer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 100% keeps Pierce's <laughs> dumbass li- dumbass in line. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I had two younger brothers who were all close in age, and my mom was always astounded how alike we were and then how utterly different we were. Mm. Um, and you even see that in what we do now. Um, so that's oldest, dentist, white collar, did all the work, wanted to be the one that was responsible, took all the jobs, put them on my back. Chuck, the violet of the family, um, though not actually gifted in that range. Um, I got the gifts, he got the brain, uh, for it to be a violet. And then John, just the quiet mouse, tell me what I'm supposed to do, tell me where I'm supposed to go. I don't want to do anything like I want to do the work, but I don't want to be create like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. No, yeah. tell me what I'm supposed to do. Um, he works for me uh, because that's comfortable for him to, okay, just tell me what I'm supposed to do, Thomas, and we'll, we'll go from there. Um, but yeah, I love that Pierce made them so that yeah. they online. And, and Dacto is really one of my favorites. The fact that he is, um, how did Virginia put it? Something of he would be a terror on his own, but he picked his team a long time ago, and he's so uber competitive that he wants his team to win. Um, I love that about Daxo. He's like, no, I I want democracy. Stupid, but we're going to make it work. I I love that mindset. Yeah. So that's pretty much it for Daxo. I think is where we ended that. Uh, yes. But yeah, so we get anything. So we've got all our Politico portions in the moving but then we do get the little bit of so i really like her in holiday and that's kind of where we see the virginia mustang back and forth kind of um of holiday is the six i love that that they call her she's always coming back yeah we finally get this yep super holidays the six what a good and yeah and Holiday is also her her safety cap, mm-hmm. where in yeah. one part, of the, I don't remember where, she'd like, she'd put a bullet in my head if she knew how much she restrained me, or something to that effect. Yeah, how um, much she restrained my darker urges. Yep. Yeah, if, she, if she knew how much she restrained my darker urges, she might think it wise to put a bullet in my head. Yeah. Yep. Something like, something along those lines. And that, know that that's the person you have guarding your six, but also that tempers your you're 12. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we get a lot more of, I would say, in-depth holiday than we've gotten before, just because Darrow doesn't normally go there. Even Ephraim was holding her at bay, and now we get... I mean, we talk about how everybody's written differently, and I think the thing Mustang Mm -hmm. does really well is reading people. That is her thing. Yes. And that's, so we're getting more holiday of what maybe her true feelings are, especially at the end of this, we get the like, you know, she's been held back from uh, the pack 
She's not yeah. with the howler. She's doing what she feels right. And just because it's what she feels right doesn't mean she's happy with and that situation. Easy, easy yeah. 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 Yep. Um, so that's a really cool kind of the two of them together. I really, I really enjoy seeing that. We're getting yep. the best. This is, this is the interesting thing is, well, no, I guess we get Lyria in the last, but we don't really get Lyria interacting with other females that, these chapters are when we fully get the Bechtel test, which is two women having a conversation not about a man. Uh, it's rarely actually done in uh, TV, movies, books. Yes. And this is, I mean, and I think I would give Pierce credit that it's because when the point of view is from a man, how do you have two women having a conversation? But this is where we see it. Blind spot. Yeah, yep. Yep. Uh, that it is, these, this series does, in fact, pass the Bechtel test, and I just love their relationship together. Mm-hmm. And Here's one for you. It's just a short little bit, but when Virginia and Deanna have their conversation, that was a fun little, and yes. she's like, you might be the only person who can still scold me. I'm still the only person you have to impress. Like, oh. <laughs> yes that amazing that woman god i wouldn't yep. want to piss that like the whole list of women i would not want to piss off darrow's mother no nope. no yep. that's like pissing off my grandma my grandma could kill you with a look just skewer you right through the guts and every time i hear diana i think of my grandma and I'm like, nope. There, he could just look at you and oh, get fucked up. Come on, don't do that again. Yep. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, Love we get it. some really great, really great moments in this one mm-hmm. of the female How much empowerment. Think, yeah. How much do you think Blair plays into that? Um, Blair. No, so 100% Blair. And if you. Uh, this question gets asked every single signing. I'm sure people probably asked it. Uh, for people who don't know, when we did the G- Glittering Gala with Pierce, a lot of people submitted questions, and I was one of the people who went through and was like, no, he answers that one too often. And he yeah. gets asked all the time, basically, why do you write strong females? Which I think we should be in a world that that's not a question asked, but whatever. It shouldn't be. It is what His, it is. His answer is his mom is the breadwinner in the family. Mm-hmm. His mom was the first female um, president of a, I think it's a television studio. That cool. she has been on the board of like directors. Like his dad's got a good job, but not mm-hmm. in comparison to his mom. And the mom, like uh, his mom is just his foundation and who he sees through all of this of like, if my mom yeah. can do that, then women are on par with everything. And I think yeah. that then is why Blair is such a strong female herself. She's the lawyer. She's going to probably have a whole, um, she's rescuing horses and dogs and it's fabulous, yep. but it's just that it's they're, Virginia and Volga. yeah, right. uh, their their family is just very gender equal. Oh, uh, well. And that's what then comes across in all his writing is why when he 
talks about gender. Yeah, but when people yeah. ask, like, and he said this during the gala of like, Victra was supposed to be male, but the gender of a character is the eighth thing he thinks about. Yeah, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't. You write the character and then just like, oh, well, it worked, you know, whatever yeah. it parses out to be in the same way color of hair or eyes parses out to be. Um, I mean, in Red Rising, it's a little different for hair and eyes because well, that's a yeah. whole other thing. But uh, yeah, so I would say yes, that Blair is probably a strong reasoning of why yeah. we see Virginia as she is, but it's their mom as well. Of all these characters, I would love to hang out with Virginia. I would love to pick her brain. I would love to sit down with her and say, you know, okay, what does the sovereignty and what, what are some of the struggles you have to overcome? How do you, how do you manage some of the strong personalities that you have underneath you? And, you know, what is the, what is the different mindset you have to come in, you know, when you talk to a Daxo versus a holiday versus a dancer versus a Publius little sucker. Um, Sorry, not trying to be spoilery. Um, I just don't like greasy lawyers. Um, no slant towards Blair, but Poovia <laughs> seems like a greasy lawyer. Um, you know, but she has to come in, and then and you know those are the those are the big names. But as all people who are in that position of power, you know that okay, there's the name that you have to, and the person that's attached that that you have to placate and and deal with. Then there's every person underneath that are the ears and the scaffolding and the and the support structure that run that, and you have to deal with those people too. Uh, yeah. You know, and for someone like her to be able to manage all that, and then when she gets in this chapter and she really shows her teeth, and and she's like, "Damn it, I'm sick of playing background. I'm sick of playing distributor. I'm sick of being the smartest person in the room and no one listens to me." Wow, what a what a line that was, um, you know, or however it was worded exactly. Um, she finally, you know, kind of pulls the arrow, slams the razor into the table, says, "Shut the fuck up and listen," and 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 then really just rips through in a few short days this tumult of idiocy and and, and straightens so much it out. Bam. Um, that is so cool to see a such a mentally you know, capable person go and do that. And I would love to sit down and be like, oh, I can't all this shit, man. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, she's so much fun. And we hear through this, we get to see those relationships and some of the background of what's like, I really like when we get to see in her office. And uh, there's um, the puzzles that her all yeah, 311 but there's also yeah. is it it's is it that or something else that darrow says should have been destroyed because she's puzzles. like is it the puzzle yeah that she's like obsessed like she's just got them circulated around her um but i just really like that mentality of like i've defeated kind of all these things and she's now dwelling on the one thing that she can't get through she can't figure it out of who has her child yep yeah but yeah the fact that she kept all 311 puzzles or whatever yeah, i'm to, sure there was more to, but yeah yeah to remind herself of the madness that lurks within yeah mm. damn like well and that's so many smart people 
brilliance is a thin line between brilliance and insanity. Yes. And to know that she's got to walk that line, that stiletto. The stiletto. Yeah. 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 Really cool of just, we get to see all of that. And Mm -hmm. I would say. We also get the, the little line with after blowing up Quicksilver's statue. It's fun to let the lion out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when she does the same with uh, with the Duke of Hand, when she's like, no, I'm not restraining myself for you. I am I am being full badass on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's and... a little thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Duke of Hands one is really cool of the interrogation that, and we get to see of... Yeah. That Ephraim didn't let us in on because he's high on Zolodone. We... Learn that from Holiday. How did Ephraim get through this? Zolodone. But where Theodora has to go through of like, these are the pheromones he's letting out. And this is the scent and all of this. And well, no, but it's fine because Mustang was raised in such a manner that her own brain kicks in to be against his reaction. Like, it's so interesting that. And the biochemistry behind that is so deep. Yeah. Like, and you can train those responses. It's been shown, but it's that's some deep-ass biochemistry. That yeah. you, you're, you're double doctrine level for that stuff. Yeah. And it's so cool. And the yeah. fact that she's like, oh, it smells like, what was it? Was it roses and... Was it uh, pep- oil? Yeah. Yeah. Oil. yeah. Like, oh, that is, and the fact that those are both linked with aphrodisiacs. Yeah. Um, that is, <laughs> that was so cool. Yeah, the yeah. biochemist had fun with that one too. I was like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a cool thing of, you know, she knows her own strength through her own genetic mm-hmm. mutation. I don't know if that's the word, but modification. Uh, modification. modification. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's just a really cool that she's able to do that. And you see her and Theodora back and forth in that moment of, you know, trusting Theodora after she... Oh, yeah, she had to re-earn her trust. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but that leads us into what I think is the biggest relationship conversation of the this section is the um, goblin has arrived. I, yep, just love that. Before before yeah. Virginia go, they have this quick little uh they have they have a discussion and Theodora is basically says, you know, you'll want the salts and Virginia says, please this this horse rides for only one man. Yes, like, that is yes. Love it. Love and it. as a married man, that, that that makes my heart sing. I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> yep. no man can take my place. Ah, yep. That, that 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 was that that is music. That is yes. beautiful. Such a good line. So good. Oh yeah. Um. But yeah. But then we get. The, the threat, goblin. the threat goblin. to dancer of oh sorry, 
Like, and Dancer immediately being like, you can't hand me over to him. You can't. You can't. You like. Uh, well, the, the Duke. Oh, Sorry, the Duke. The Duke. The yeah. Duke. Yeah. I, um, yeah, well. Yeah, he's like, I have rights. Yeah. <laughs> Do you though? It's not him. Not him. It's going to suck. It's, uh, okay. This is where. Okay. I'm going to dip back into Star Wars. Everyone knew Vader was a badass. Everyone knew Boba Fett was a badass. But we never got to see them being a badass. All of a sudden in Rogue One, they show Vader being a badass. Oh, yeah. I want Pierce to do... And I know in the gala he said he wrote, you know, however many pages, chapters, whatever, OVs of Severo. Fuck, I want that. God damn it. I want that. Don't deny me that. I want to see yeah. Severo <laughs> unleash the goblin. I want to see what made... Jackal's so fucking scared of him. I want to see what has made the society so scared of him. I want to see what has made Syndicate so scared. I want to see Debra yeah. full fucking goblin mode. But yeah. Well, we get kind of tidbits in this of that he's been ripping apart the Syndicate. Oh, and that one of the Dukes, not the Duke of Hands, but a different Duke is like... Duke the Duke of Heads? I think it is the Duke of Heads. But he's what? like eaten by head. piranhas or something? Like, yeah, was he in a... the pool or something like that? Yeah, the hook was uh, his skeleton? Yeah, it's just a hook and his skeleton left because whatever <laughs> the fish, piranhas or whatever, ate him. And like, you just learn that, he, like, apparently body parts just keep showing up on Virginia's foot, like, doorstep. Like, what the fuck is this? I have an assistant who, when she was renting a house in a little town, you know, a little podunk town, and she was outside in a little podunk town, she inherited a farm cat with it. And the farm cat, to ingratiate itself to her and her husband, would drop off dead mice and dead badger babies on the doorstep. And I'm like, wait, the cat fucking kills badgers? And she's like, uh-huh. And drops them off on the front doorstep? Uh-huh. And one time I walked out, and it was just a whole spilled gut pile of of badger guts. And I'm like, what the fuck? And yeah, the cat's name was Crokey, because apparently one of these times it got in a fight, it got injured so bad that it couldn't meow. So it... And it was Crokey. So I think of several when I hear this, and I'm like, oh god, it's Crokey in, in, in literature form. Anyways, sorry. Yeah, my cats luckily have only my cats are indoor cats except for we have a balcony, um, mm -hmm. and it's like a five foot by ten foot balcony. It is not big, and they at one point I was sitting in my living room and I look under and I'm on the couch and I can see underneath the dining room table, and I went, "That's a toy I've never seen before," and it was a dead sparrow. <laughs> Luckily, no blood. Like, it literally looked like it just dropped dead. Like, I don't know if the cat just, like, mm -hmm. punctured it and then left it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was, like, great. The dog Kai's done that. She's caught birds when they're, like, swooping her and she's crunched them. That it just killed them on impact yeah. and there's no but blood. I, so it's even clean up. Yeah. Uh, I think that is a good call out, though, of, like, the, like, leaving limbs. And then I just really like when we get the scene and you get that it's... um. Virginia Holiday and Theodora sitting there drinking their tea 
And this idea that all of the howlers are just in the rafters and they're just yeah. calling 30 meters up, like they're all just calling up whatever. being like, what do you think? Like, what kind of tea is it? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Uh, Pe Pebble drops down. Yes. And she, she's relaying back and forth. I love that. <laughs> like Virginia can't hear her. <laughs> or can't hear Sephiro. <laughs> Internal it's Wolfbane. It's Wolfbane. Yeah. <laughs> fucking love that. Of and course, then it this fucking is, is Wolfbane. And then this yeah. is where we get that the I don't Wolf. like fucking tea. <laughs> I knew you couldn't see color in that thing. Yeah. <laughs> but ah, oh, shit! It is coffee drip. Mm-hmm. But it's a really interesting. And it's like. Sorry, go on. Yeah, and it's like he, Virginia's like he he tries to act like he's not desperate for his uh, stash of Jamaican Blue Mountain. But yes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I really like the back and forth between uh, Severo and Mustang. That it is the same relationships mm -hmm. we have seen this entire time. Of they still don't trust each other, and like there is mm -hmm. clearly like he's like you are Virginia, you are the sovereign, you are like. And he's the one who calls out of like, Darrow always said there was a difference and I'm seeing it now. Mm -hmm. That like this. Well, yeah, like, I would, I would trust Mustang, but you ain't her. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like it's a really interesting play. Um, and then the fact that she's, he's there though, which betrays Victra and like that kind of interesting that you then know that Victra really doesn't want anything to do with Mustang right now. Well, and I think that is where you see a little bit of the psychology difference between men and women. Victor will never let this go. She will hold this grudge until she is ash. And I think you can say the same of Mustang. The fact that she wouldn't, that Victor wouldn't leave Virginia to handle it like the sovereign she was, Virginia will hold this grudge. So Severo as being both the husband and the friend of the husband, but that husband's not here, so he has to play the diplomat. He has to, he has to <clears throat> bow and say, okay, I realize, yeah, um, I have to be the in-between. Mm -hmm. Because my balls are in the vice either way. And it's going to hurt either way. And these two are not talking to each other. And they need to. So fine. 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 Fuck it. Fine. I'll be the in-between. Um, you know, never bow my ass. Theodore um, called it. His balls were the wedding gift that he gave to Victra um, all those years ago. Because yeah. as a husband, you can be right. Or you can be happy. You can't have both. Yeah. Be happiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he's not married to Mustang, so he's going to he's going to play his hand exactly as his wife tell, tells him. But see, here's the thing. Okay, he knows he's betraying Victra, but Victra told him exactly what Mustang was going to say, so Victor knew this was going to happen. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like Victor knows. Wait. Yeah, Victor knows. Tells you damn near sent him there. Like, I'm not talking yeah. to the bitch. You talk to her. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but yeah, it is very interesting that they clearly have some communication, but not a lot over all of this. And and I think also just how uh, we do get the famous, uh, infamous, I think, editing error in this part where Severo is referred to as Victor's, or sorry, Virginia's brother's best friend instead of husband's best friend. Mm -hmm. um, but... At she that point, does, is there really a big difference? Yeah, yeah. Is she? But she does call out a lot of times and uses almost these in, endearing things of my godson's or my sorry, my son's godfather. Yep. Right, and uses all these endearing terms to Severo, but it is always through somebody else's connection. It is my mm -hmm. husband's best friend. It is my son's godfather. Like. It is not ever that they are, you know, the first degree, which is very interesting. Well, even, yeah, the Sovereign's Imperata, where yeah. he, she creates even her own separation. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very interesting ploy, um, or mindset. I don't think ploy, but mindset yeah. of that difference. Mental distancing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but we do then get... He eventually does go along with the ploy. And we get that there's 25 of the howlers are there. And ready to back. And 25 of the deadliest killers among 8, yeah. mil, 8 billion. Whatever, 18 billion. Was it 8 billion or 18 billion? Whatever it was. Um think you have 25 of the baddest motherfuckers in one room you got 25 samuel L. jackson's looking at this going yeah all right what are we doing boss yep yeah and then then we get uh where skipper lost the lost the reading because <laughs> she fell asleep <laughs> yep yeah so i only got get... to chapter 27 so i don't know yeah. what's happening i'm gonna go back to just I'll sit over here and eat some cookies. You have fun. So we get our discussion between Virginia and Severo yep. Dancer. And Dancer is totally blindsided at this meeting because, you know, he wouldn't have taken it if he knew what was happening. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. And he is... Well, she knows he's going to be pissed. Oh, yeah. And Virginia, like, Deanna knows he's going to be pissed. Virginia knows he's going to be pissed. Yep. And, you know, shocking, right? He's he's pissed when he comes he's in. He's pissed. And he, he almost leaves. And and Deanna's like, no, sit your fucking ass down. Right. Um, and, Serious woman in this thing. Not Victor. Yeah. And then we get Severo showing up, and we learn what's on the hollow drop and yep. learn that dancers playing hide the pit viper with the duke of hands which that's the absolute best yep. euphemism mm -hmm. oh. so red and oh my god yeah as red as bloody and, damn yeah more possibly yeah um, possibly yeah and we learn that 
dancer's clan, like, yeah. they castrated him. They right? cast him out for the fact I'm that he is gay. Nope. Like, and then Ares comes along and he fixes him. He, mm -hmm. like, he everything he heals him, he saves him, he gives him a purpose. Like, and he he tells several, like, you know, I wasn't your father's favorite. I wasn't his best, but I was the only one who believed like he did. Yep. And man, like what what a powerful scene. And the crazy thing about all that is Dancer thought it was a shakedown. He thought yeah. he was being blackmailed for being gay. Meanwhile, you have the gold who don't give a fuck. They're as pansexual as it gets. I don't yep. care. It's whatever is good at the moment. Yep. No, I mean, you go to Valley Irath and it's just like, fuck, if it has two legs, hell if it doesn't have two legs. Um, it, yeah. And the fact that it <laughs> is so... Maybe. Right. Yeah, even then. Um, you have Dancer who is so... He is seeing through red lenses and Mustang is seeing through gold lenses. Severo, thankfully, is seeing through both. And where I think we really do get to see a level of Severo's intelligence. I mean, as they said in the Institute, it's hard to believe that all of these psychos are also geniuses. Um, yeah. But Severo sees it. He's like, Leo, we don't care where you hide the pit viper. The fact that you hid the pit viper who's third in line in syndicate. syndicate. Yeah, like... We don't care what you do with it. This dude is fucking dangerous. And then yeah, it, I think it's the who shock you that... did it with. Like, yeah. Like it's mm -hmm. specifically this one person mm -hmm. that yeah. you did it with. It's not one, like, two. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even, uh, you know... We talked about how well Mustang reads people, and it, I agree, she does. She really does read people. She missed here. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, absolutely, oh, she did. She missed here, and it happens. And and she she says that she's like, look, I make mistakes all the time. Um, it just I have my team that help, you know, fix my fuck ups. Um, because she as a sovereign kind of has to fuck around and find out. All right, what can I get away with? Um, this is where Stevro really read the room. The best of anybody's like, no, it's who, and and you know, he was ready to jump in and you know kind of be the restraining hand, which is such a crazy thought that several of the restraining hand in a fight, right? That never happened. Oh, yeah. there goes the water bottle. Um, that you know when dancer gets hot and bent out of shape over over something that is, you no, know, this is just the way gold genetically engineered you. We don't have a problem with it. You know, it's fine. Mm -hmm. And I think I think that's what adds so much gravity to this whole thing. And I think that's also where you get from from Virginia's point of view the shock value. Oh shit! You didn't know that was him. You are my leak. I I swear you were the leak. You're not the leak. You're just looking for a good time, and you found it just the wrong person. Yeah. So yeah. I love how that catapults that into the next part. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I. I really like that um, as soon as like as soon as the air gets cleared between the three mm -hmm. of them, it's like 
done. Like Good. it's finished. Like Severo busts the hollow cube, blows it away. Like history, you don't care, man. Yeah. And then they are instantly back on the same side. Mm-hmm. Like all family again. This yep. yeah, it was it was all political. Yep. Like it it shows how much love there is between them that when they when they come to their understanding it's done like Back on the same page yeah and that's the end of our chapters yeah and then it goes it goes into red doves um <laughs> yes somebody in the den said that this is actually where the book ends on a happy note, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. This is the end. No, no, it's there's more pain to be had. We have to, we have to figure out how much of a badass Victor is. Yes. Yeah, we do have we do have a little bit more. Um, chapter thirty, the ocular sphere. Um, yes. You know, Virginia looking over uh, Mercury, and uh, I believe this is when she. Oh no, she sends she sends the the supplies during her speech. Yeah, during her yeah. speech. Um she has her conversation with Daxo and Cavix at the end of the ocular sphere without yes, and without several in the room. She kicks him out. Oh no, Daxo Kavik no, kicks him Kavik's, out. Kavix kicks him out. Yep. To go to go get his cane. Um yep. and and he yeah, tells her, and, and decline, declines to come to the meeting uh, or the, the vote. Thank God, Cavix has been up enough. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. The vote goes and, just you know, fine. It goes fine. That's a next episode issue. It goes fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah they have um, a sweet, tender moment, and then they do. They have everyone's men. friends again. Over. It's done. Like the book's over. That's it. Right. We're done. But yeah. I, I feel Kavix's love. I love and Kavix. I, I, you know, how he talks about how Virginia is, is the daughter he never had, and and how he he knows that. She's so well. Thrax is her own monster. Um, like, can you imagine being a parent to her? Zena, Zena, whatever. Huh? The other daughter, Zena, and the unnamed Zena. daughter. Yeah, yeah, I know. But Thraxa, can you imagine have... me? Oh my god, no! Can you imagine being dad to Thraxa? Can you imagine the amount of shit she broke? Um, she's only happy when she's fighting. Uh, talk about Captain Marvel in the. Red Rising universe. That is Braxa out telemass. I am only happy when I am totally fucking shit up. Watch me burn. But look at Mustang and to know that he has been as much of a father to her as, as Nero was. More so. More so. At least in the emotional standpoint. Although I still think in this in this section, Virginia gets much more respect for what her father was going through than than she ever did before. Mm -hmm. To know that Kavix was her emotional anchor and to actually have him stop her, grab her by the face and say, no, shut up and listen. Stop plotting, stop thinking, stop stop the gear for a second. 
Um, you know, working in an office full of women, I know that their brains never stop. And to get her to stop. Oh, yeah, I saw that look. Yeah. No, that was my agreeance. Working in an office full of women, they never fucking stop. And they don't sleep either because they don't fucking stop. But to know that Kavik's probably actually did get her to have all the gears hit full stop for that sliver of a moment. You deserve it. You have done so well. I am, you know, implied. I am so proud of you. Uh, As a dad, that, that rings so true. And when you get to look at your children and tell them how proud you are of them and how much know that they personally put into something that they succeeded in that meant something to them um as a father that that is so heartfelt and so touching mm-hmm. and it it's, it's hard not to even get just a little little bent sideways over that um you know i know with my own kids when i see them uh find something they're passionate about and find something that they want to do well at and, and find something where they, 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 they want to see God give their full effort. And not only do they, their full effort, but it succeeds. And, and then, then they know that, okay, well, that's the expectation. Well, I succeeded. So now I'm going to move on to the next thing. And I'm going to succeed at that and to stop them and, and actually get them to appreciate that, that I noticed and that I, as their father, feel how amazing that is, that I, I got to see them grow and do that and, and succeed. Um, and I want them to soak in that moment because youth is wasted on young and our children will never understand how amazing they are until they've gone far past that moment. And, and, and if they hang on to it, it's amazing. And if they don't, it, it's life. Um, and so for him to stop her and say, you deserve this. I know what you've done. I know how well you've succeeded. And when she says, you know, shame on me for thinking my strength was in his body and not in his spirit. And for him to, you know, he doesn't get strength from his own internal. He does get it from his own internal spirit, but he gets it from seeing the success of his heirs. Yeah. You know, whether they're blood or they're not. Um, and Virginia is his daughter. They're not by blood, but by, 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 by matching of souls. And I felt his pride when, when he told her, you deserve this. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I think if you want to say the book ended there, ah, uh, I'd sign off on that. I would yeah. sign off on that. <laughs> and it did. Um, Yep. So for this episode, more book. Sorry, guys. Podcast. It over. has <laughs> been so great having you tonight, Joel. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you yes. for all your you insight. Yeah, you've, um, you're fantastic. You're welcome back whenever. We promised yep. you we'll do a Star Wars Red Rising one just for you. Oh God, uh, that'll be five hours long. I'm so sorry. Um. <laughs> I'm sure there's uh, people who would watch. You know, actually, there there is some pretty um, Star Wars people in this in in our den, and I mm. think uh, I think they would have some great insight in this. 
Um, especially in terms of some of the newer stuff. I, I, I didn't drop off when Disney bought it. I was really pumped. Um, but I'm sure there are some of our, our group that probably understand some of the, the Disney nuances better than I do. I'm, I'm old. Um, but I would love to bring in the EU uh, yeah. point from that. So be great. But yes, thank you for having me on. This was, this was a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you for coming. Uh, thank you for drinking whiskey with us. Hell yes. yes. And Oreos and was girl guide cookies. <laughs> yeah. I, I had two glasses of scotch. <laughs> and then like, I don't want to say how much with three yeah, of enough. Kahlua. Yeah. Enough. And uh, enough. the correct amount. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you everyone for watching, for listening, whatever, however you're taking this in. Uh, join us in the Howler's Den. All of us are moderators, which is a very scary thought. Um, <laughs> Drillbit is actually who chances are will name you. He is one of our master namers when it comes I, to the Howler know, names. I, I throw a few of them out there. Yeah, I, I throw some fun ones out there. Yeah, I drew a guy from me. Uh, that that one I don't mind claiming. That one, that one, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, a little modification from Salem's End, but the I don't mind claiming that one. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. You are. So join us in the Howler's Den. Show us oh. your den dunks on Instagram. Make sure to tag us if you're doing them so we can see them. Uh, mm -hmm. And. Have a good night, everybody. We'll we'll see you next week on what I'm sure will be a bright and shiny episode. Yeah, very lighthearted. We'll have no some laughs. problems. Episode. Have fun, Absolutely. Salem. Yes, Salem joins us next week. Yeah, it is the middle of the book, but she's got to join us twice during Dark Age because, uh, yeah. So dark. Yeah, there's there's some there's some serious Mustang moments. Yes. Uh, in this book, and we know that Salem is our resident Mustang oh. stand. Yeah. Mustang, if you will. Love yeah. it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Right. Peace out. Until next time.